Welcome to Savvy Sabs Podcast on Call-In. This is episode 98, Taibi, Uhuru, RFK Jr., and more. So much happened this week that it's difficult to choose one topic. So let's discuss everything that was newsworthy this week. And I see we already have people lined up. Let's go ahead and bring in our Canadian friend, Ashura. Hey. Hey, <laughs> you might not be Canadian, because <laughs> I want to I want to be called a poser in the chat. <laughs> What's going on, Ashura? Uh, I'm doing fine. Uh, went to the movie last week. Uh, today I'm good. Uh, as for the topics, I had to go to. I'm looking at your thumbnail in order to basically remember what the topics were. So we'll go out one by one. The Mataibi thing, it's a, it's, it's a what the fuck. Like, is it the same senator that said uh, that doesn't have a seat in Congress, but they just gave her a token seat? The one that said, who gave you access to those bills? Is that the one? Yeah, she's a delegate. So technically, she's not really a congresswoman, but it's weird because she's from New York, but she represents the Virgin Islands. But from what I understand, she can't even vote. Yeah, wait, so, so, so that's like far away from the U.S., right? The, the Virgin Islands? Yeah. Yeah. So where would that be exactly? So I'm not familiar with the territories of the United States. Which country would that be neighboring? The Virgin Islands is near... Let me pull this up. I don't think it's that far from the um, Bahamas. Let me check. Uh, it's in the Bahamas. Well, that's, a, that's a fucking other country. No, I don't think it's, it's that far. Oh, here we go. Somebody said Florida? The Virgin Islands... St. Thomas, this includes St. Thomas, St. John, Tortola. That wasn't a good map. I think it is further towards. These maps are horrible. Oh, here we go. People are saying Caribbean. It's close to Puerto Rico. Okay. So it's like another territory they fucking (laughs) took over. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> so basically, she, she, she's not allowed to vote. Like, uh, And they were after Barack Obama for, for, for he was supposedly uh, uh, some sneaky uh, uh, African that managed to get into the United States and became president. Supposedly. But I, I totally get what you're saying, though. Yeah, because people are saying they're saying he's south of Jamaica. I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, if it's that far away, then like, why is she even there? Like, why is she in the party? And then she tries to fucking do this shit. Like, at this point, like, I'm like, I'm like, why aren't anybody saying shit about this? So maybe that's something I need to research. I, I honestly don't understand why she's there because, like I said, she's from New York, but for whatever reason, she represents the Virgin Islands. Yeah. I guess they had to give her a token seat, so he t- she took it so she can have power. Yeah, but she took money from Jeffrey Epstein. I mean, this was after after he was arrested, and she didn't want to give that money back. Like they were telling her she should give it back, and there was like this whole dispute over that. Ah, she'll she'll take she'll take pedo money. I mean, that says it all. She'll take pedo money. Look, <laughs> I guess black people are okay. I guess I guess if Epstein had touched on a couple of black girls, would she have basically gave back the money? I don't know. Um, we don't know who all was 
involved. Yeah, because yeah. they keep saying a bunch of, it was a bunch of white girls. I'm like, mm, if she was a couple of black girls, would she have given back the money? And if she, she didn't want to give back the money, that would be a little bit of hypocrisy. If there were black girls there and you basically didn't want to give back the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's, it's fucked up. Like, the, I'm like, why is it like Fox News is the one talking about this shit? Why aren't everybody else talking about it? Because when you were talking, saying that uh, I don't see anybody on the left saying that shit. And I know uh, Harlan's media would be talking about it. I know the business talked about it. Jimmy Dore talked about it. Yep. I mean, uh, Matt Taibbi was on today. Yep. I didn't see. I didn't see. Uh, once he done the Jimmy Dore show, I thought Jimmy Dore was there. You know, but some, apparently, uh, Jimmy's some. She's basically doing gigs, and so Aaron was there. Yeah, Jimmy's on tour. Yeah. Because uh, by the time I, I somehow fell asleep, by the time I woke up, it was like, fuck, it was some other shit that was passing up. Some guy, something was happening in Congress, didn't care. So I basically watched your show, came in like 20 minutes late. And uh, I'm surprised about that Uhuru movement shit. Like, weren't they uh, at the, uh, what was it called? The, the rally that you guys had? They were at the rally that was hosted by uh, yeah, Code were... Pink and Black Alliance for Peace. Yeah, she would. Well, they were there. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with the government just going after everybody? But they go after black people hard. Yeah, they were also at the Rage Against the War Machine yeah, rally. Yeah, A lot of people. I, that's what I knew about it. Like they went at the Rage Against Machine. They went to the section near the. Uh, I think they were in front of the White House. Yep. I, I, I guess that's that could be why they went after them. They kind of probably just not give a fuck and just, you know, try to scare them. But I guess they were protesting in front of the fucking White House. So, nah, that, that was like the last straw. You don't protest at the White House. We don't want no, you know, bunch of blacks protesting at the White House. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, I, ha- I had a feeling this was going to happen when they raided the Hulu house in Florida. I had a feeling this was going to happen. And even when that happened, there were a lot of people in left independent media that didn't talk about it at all. Jimmy brought it up. Maybe. He sure did. He brought it up. <laughs> Apparently, some people. Well, I'm not gonna fucking talk about the video, basically. So, but he brought it up. Kudos to him. I mean, I'm still waiting for people saying, "Oh, he's a right winger," but he's bringing like topics that you don't see other channels are talking about on his channel. I looked at all the fucking shit lib channels. Not one fucking mention of the Taibi, the Uhuru movement. Nothing. Oh, it's red blue game. DeSantis, Republicans, 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 and then they say, oh, Jimmy Dore's right winger because he, he focuses less on Republicans and more on Democrats, as if the Republicans like the ones that put on a superhero cape or their costume pretending that they're going to give you shit. The Uhuru movement, people have to really understand that, you know, I, obviously, I interviewed Chairman Amali Yeshitela. They have done so much for people in their communities. And Amali Yeshitela has been a part of this movement for decades. Okay. Now, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they decide to come after them. I mean, that video was like fucking terrifying, though. Like, I don't know who who did the music. Was it like uh, some people from the Uhuru movement? Because there was like yeah. this beat, this beat on, in, in that video. I'm like, yo, why the fuck is this beat on this video? Like, it's it's almost like sounds like pro-military shit. Yeah, They're, it was. They, they created it. They created okay. that video. I was like, I would not not have used that theme. That, that that goes on some pro military shit. It was like, man, they just busting this guy's house with what guns pointed with guns. at them. I'm like, when the fuck does this happen? I never see them do that for white people. 
No, no. And keep in mind, like, they are not violent. Yeah, with guns pointing through their fucking faces. They said they wanted to shoot to put them on the sidewalk. I mean, they, they wanted a mugshot. They wanted them to sit on the sidewalk. I'm pretty sure if one of them resisted, they would have basically George Floyd, both of them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's really important, but, like, they really do, you know, they need help. That's why I put that link in the chat, because the legal fees are going to be <sighs> enormous. And that's this is what they'll do. They'll try to destroy you just with the legal fees alone. So even if you beat this, you'll have nothing to go back to. They'll have nothing to return to. They won't have, like, their Uhuru Center. They won't have their Solidarity Center. They won't have any of those things. Because once you pay all these legal fees, you're going to have to sell those buildings. You're going to have to get rid of that stuff in order just to pay the fees. So, I mean, I've, I've seen this happen before. Like, this is what they do. Like, they slowly took apart the Black Panthers this way, too. Let's come after them with legal fees. And then if that don't work, then they assassinate them. That's why they got rid of Fred Hampton, because they were like, we don't know how else to take it, take him down because we've tried everything else. So they decided just to kill him. Well, wouldn't wouldn't it be better just kill them first and then take away their fucking uh their their property? Because you would could you could just put infiltrators in there once and then you put you just let them break it apart. Let let them have the infighting, and the infighting will just break that movement apart. Gotta have people that are willing to do it. The gentleman that they had that the FBI put in as an infiltrator originally, he didn't want to go along with that part of the plot. I mean, at this point, I would, I would have been, well, if I was that guy, I would have said, okay, well, I'll go to fucking prison, maybe 30 years down the line, they'll put me out, and I'll just expose what the FBI did to me. So that gentleman actually committed uh, suicide. suicide. Yeah, yeah, you talked about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I was that guy, I would have, I would probably choose chosen prison, and then when, if I'm coming out and they basically they expose that effect, I was in prison for no, for just dumb shit. I would have basically called them out. Yeah, because for people who don't know how they actually were able to convince him to be an infiltrator, they actually caught him making a robbery. So again, this goes back to the poverty issue, right? I keep telling you like 80% of crime is what? Poverty driven for the most part? Yeah. They caught him pulling a robbery. They followed him and then, you know, arrested him and basically said, here's the deal. We'll let you go and we'll drop all these charges if you can do this one thing for us. We need you to infiltrate the Black Panther chapter, Fred Hampton's Black Ch uh, Panther chapter, and report back to us. Now, at that point in time, it's not like he knew what their end game was. They were just like, we'll pay you to do this. And they were paying him a lot of money for him to do it. And then one day he came forward i think this this interview took place in the early 80s i want to say it was either late 70s or early 80s where he finally came clean and he had an interview and he explained what he did and why he did it and then after that interview he committed suicide did he like get blasted by the community first is that why he killed his son i don't even think he made it back to the community from what i read i think he ran out in the middle of the street or something like that oh shit! i thought he just like hanged himself I think he knew that they were going to come after him anyway. Yeah. I mean, just, he couldn't live with the guilt was basically what he was saying. Well, that, that, that's why, that's why I said, like, I would have chosen prison. I mean, when, when you're a fucking sellout like that, I mean, uh, that, that shit goes back 400 years, like getting fucking sold off to white people at the shores of Africa. Yeah. I mean, I've seen, a, I don't know. I've seen a lot of these, like, 
organizations in because of infiltration. Just same thing like with Black Lives Matter. Like I, we know that was infiltrated, but I've been told by people that that was infiltrated from the very beginning. Well, that, that, that's the thing. You can't have like they can't let white you can't let white people coming in there because that would be too easy to to smell if a white person's going to destroy your shit. So how do you do it? You put the same type of animal in the same group because they'll never know it's you. Like what what, what Michael Michael Max call it a fox in a hen house or some shit like that. Yep. So you put somebody that looks like you, and you don't know what the fuck they're gonna do, and they're gonna basically black, destroy your shit from the inside like a fucking virus. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a very telling moment. I mean, I think when we look at what's happening right now with Matt Taibbi and. You know, it's not just about Matt Taibbi, and that's the point I want everyone to really understand. Like, it's to instill fear in people. They want to make him afraid. They want to make other journalists afraid and prevent them from telling the truth. And that's the thing. As long as they have that fear over you, then people will be more hesitant to do it, and you'll just fall in line. So, by the way, uh, for the theme of the show tonight, is it like, what's the theme of the show? Is it is it like media takeover? Is that the theme of the show? Because it seems like every story follows one after the other. The theme was corruption. Okay. It seems like everywhere, every time I look at the thumbnail right now, it's like media is basically smearing Tariq Taibbi for, 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 for the establishment. Uh, they're smearing RFK for the establishment. Yep. They're basically hiding shit the for the establishment on Joe Biden and they're smearing the other guys. So it's like you could just add media also on it because they're all shitting on them. Well, a lot of times who is at the top of the corruption chain besides like billionaires and multimillionaires and people who have the money and the resources, it's usually the media because they control the narrative. Yeah, because uh, on the... <laughs> on the... On the... What's that? The, the uh, Biden's son. Joe Biden must be regretting that shit right now. He, he literally exposed it, himself in 2020 when Donald Trump said, man, they, they're, they're hiding some shit about this guy's son. Like, there must be some dealings in, in Ukraine and shit. And it's like, oh, that shit, that shit is not true. 50 experts have said that it's not true. It is fake. Next thing you know, the 50 experts were basically people they handpicked to protect yep. Joe Biden's ass. Yeah. And so more whistleblowers are coming forward. So you guys, you saw the video from Michael Schellenberger tonight where he said they already had some, got someone to come forward about uh, Hunter Biden and they're going to continue to do that, you know, exposing the truth. And I think, first of all, it takes a tremendous amount of courage to be a whistleblower for one, especially if you have a family, because if they ever find out who you are, they won't just come after you. They can come after your family. Right. So it's great that they're working on that type of project together. And at the same time, I think we're going to hear more and more information is going to come out, you guys. Like, just just get ready. Just get ready for it. Because this attack that they're trying to do on, like, Matt Taibbi, I always refer back to Julian Assange. And we always refer back to Edward Snowden. Like, they have been trying to silence people from revealing the truth for quite some time. And so I think... The U.S. government really thought that the Julian Assange issue would scare people, and it has scared people, but it hasn't silenced people. It's made more people speak up and more people become vocal and call for the release of Julian Assange. I think they also thought Edward Snowden, like going after him, like that was going to scare people. But it's still not preventing people from speaking up, and we need to have those truth tellers. We really do. 
Yeah, it's uh, I find it I do find it like scary that the fact the IRS can just protect politicians' wealth assets. Like, like if if they declared that they took money or they got money somewhere from somebody from rich some rich asshole, you got to protect that shit. You can't tell them exactly where they got it. It's funny because I just did I just uh, finished uh, signing my papers for my taxes uh, th- this Friday. I did it like maybe last week. I filed and they basically told me to come in this week. And I was like, they were asking me a bunch of questions. The way you got the money? Are you single? Blah blah blah. If you're if you're married, all that shit. Do you have a second job? Third job? Do you have like some money on the side? They they asked me all that shit. Like with maybe like ten questions. They were very condensed. But for politicians, like if it was for a normal person like me, you'd come after me. But for politicians, you're gonna protect them. Yeah, they're they're well, they're protected as long as they do what they're told then they're protected. When they start to go against the state department, that's when all hell broke breaks loose. Like for example, like Cynthia McKinney, right? So Cynthia McKinney left the United States. Why? Because she was tired of the corruption. You know, she was tired of being targeted. Like she was another one who was a truth teller and they didn't want her there. So they found ways to push her out. Same thing with Dennis Kucinich. They didn't want him there because they're like, uh Oh, he's saying a little bit too much. We need to get rid of him. So they actually redrew his district so that he wouldn't even have a district. Like these, none of these things should be allowed, but they happen because corporations control the government. I want to know. I would love to know how, what the what the dealings are with these, these positions. I want to see their fucking tax returns. Like even here, like if it was if it actually public, was it like clamped down by the government? When the, the government could just go after you, going at your taxes. I want to see what the fuck is Justin Trudeau's money coming from. Who the fuck is paying him? The same thing I want. I would love to see the taxpayers of Joe Biden seeing where his money's coming from. Yeah, I totally feel you on that one. And I'm curious in Canada, if so, like when Justin Trudeau ran for office, did he have to release his tax returns like they do in the United States when you run for president? Uh, I don't check on that, but I, I guess I guess it has to it has to be like that. Because uh, when I first came here, I think it was maybe I lived in Ottawa and then I moved to Montreal. And the first thing I saw, it was an ad. Uh, I don't know if you guys know the conservative, former conservative prime minister called Stephen Harper, and he ran an ad against Paul Martin. And it was it was basically going on an ad on a loop to the point where it looks like there's an echo says the Liberal Party is not cor- is corrupt. And he, no, no, it was the party is not corrupt, but they caught Paul Martin under corruption, corruption uh, charges. And they, they didn't basically do anything to him. They just lost the election. So I, I, that's the same way. That's, that, that's the way, um, uh, Harper, he didn't get, he, he, he didn't get that shit. He got kicked off because, uh, he was buying like fighter jets for expensive, very expensive fighter jets that were old. And that got Trudeau, uh, the door into the, into, uh, being prime minister. Hmm. Well, from what I read about Trudeau, he seems to be corrupt too. No, he's Joe. Oh, he is corrupt. I mean, he's 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 like a. I can't say he's like a Kennedy, but he, he kind of is because that's all he's got is the name recognition of his father. And then you have like fucking uh, the World Health something like the, those like people in Europe. They 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 were they were breeding this dude just to be part of his class. Like Putin's in there too. Jimmy talked about this on the video where they have a bunch of elites 
They literally put them on the fucking list so they can basically control what the fuck's going on around the world. If you're, if you're from a dynasty, they're going to basically want you to be part of the club. Yeah, and, well, rich people have class solidarity. <laughs> all the way in Europe to the point where they're saying, yeah, man, he's part of the club. Yeah, all the, all these people, like people, and we'll talk about like the billionaire yeah. class, like the billionaires, they're, they're all connected for the most part, like they have class solidarity. And then you have some of these multi-millionaires that also have class solidarity, like they look out for each other's class interests. Yeah, it's like uh, Dave Human says in the chat, the WEF, like they basically, they ba- they basically are breeding like kids of, you know, dynasties. They, they'll they pick you up and they'll put you in that fucking list because they want you to be like them. You, yep. you, you can't, you can't break the system. The system has to stay in place. Yeah. I mean, that that's a big part of it. And, you know, I read something the other day that said Walmart is actually losing businesses. Did you guys hear about this? No, Walmart. I don't know. Well, I, I do know people that said they people work uh, like around my uh I know people that said they work at Walmart. I don't know if they're doing the same same thing here, but I do know uh, we had a Target, and that was before the pandemic. Like it stayed there for two years in Canada, and they basically dropped dropped out. Mm-hmm. It, it it wasn't doing that good in, in Canada. Target, where I was, uh, Walmart's here. We got McDonald's. Uh, I think I don't know if Taurus or Rest is still here because they they also said they were gonna leave Canada. Because they, they didn't see no business in Canada? Well, I know that uh, what I read, it said that Walmart stores were starting to close. Really? Because I, I read an article like a couple of days ago. I think it was maybe a couple of months or three months, I would say at least. They said they were raising people's taxes. No, not taxes. They were raising their wages. I think it's it's too late for that. Because I mean, like, you know, I know people that they work there for a long time and they don't pay them what they should pay them. But um. Yeah, I read that that Walmart stores were there were some of them that were closing. They were going to go fifteen dollars. Uh, I mean, at some of those Walmart's people are making like eight dollars an hour. Depend, it depends on where you're located. Yeah, they were saying that they <laughs> just started fifteen. I'm like, fifteen is too much. No, too low. At this point, you might want to uh, adjust for inflation. Because I, I was thinking about this. I was watching your channel. I know video of yours maybe a week ago. And I was like, wait, why the fuck that is for inflation? Every time you have a crash, they never basically adjust inflation when they want to increase people's wages. That's why wages have either been stagnate or they don't move at all. Maybe they don't, they don't, they just trickle, they, they go up just a little bit. The rich keep getting richer and you're getting poor during a, um, during a crash, when right? uh, uh, yeah, during a crash, like basically they get their, they get their, they get, they get taken off, they get taken care of, they get their, they get money, they get everything for the government, but not, but not the the worker. Right. Well, I think you know another big part of the problem is that even though wages will increase if you get like a raise, and for some people it's that standard two percent raise, your health insurance premiums also go up every year. So how much of a raise do you really get? At least, at least in the U.S. I know you're in Canada, but in the U.S., your health insurance premiums go up every year. So you have to factor that in with your wage, your raise. 
Yeah, the whole so thing's anyway. like, well, I mean, the whole thing's like systemic, <clears throat> excuse me, systemic, right? I mean, it's all, it's like the whole system is geared to transfer wealth upward. You know, it's yep. whether it's the taxes or the corporations or the, um, or the whole bit. I mean, I, I, I'd like to see us like on the left, just start talking about this even bigger. Start saying things like, like we should just have basically no taxes for anyone who's like not really rich. Just get rid of all of them and just concentrate the tax burning burden on the billionaires and the big corporations. We you know, also why are we pushing to... for that? Sorry, what? Well, no, that's a good point because people have to also understand there are states in the U.S. that don't have certain taxes. And we need to ask, like, how was how were they able to get that accomplished for like, for example, like New Hampshire doesn't have sales tax. So a common thing people will do in Massachusetts, if you want to buy a big purchase, if you're buying furniture or something, people will drive to New Hampshire because I mean, it's like right there. They'll drive to New Hampshire to make bigger purchases because there's no sales tax. So, you know, you have to deal with that. Right. Um, Delaware, I think, also doesn't have sales tax. I think Nashville, Tennessee, I have to check with my friend. I have a friend that lives there. I think Nashville I don't think they have income tax. I can tell you. So how are some of those places able to get with that? Go ahead, Roger. So there are nine states that don't have state income taxes. I'm going to see if I could go off the top of my head. Washington, Alaska, Tennessee, New Hampshire, Texas, Florida, Wyoming. Mm, I'm missing two. Did I say Texas? Yeah, I said Texas. But um, yeah, they don't they don't have a uh, state income taxes. But here's the here's the thing: what they don't tell you, um, their local taxes are a lot higher because it's the equivalent of think of it like this: you live home with your parents, everything is all your basic necessities are, are taken care of for you, right? But you have to go by certain rules that mommy and daddy tell you. But then when you move out, which is the equivalent of no state income taxes, now your personal income has to go up. So that's why places like Florida and Texas will have higher in, uh, higher like property taxes, because those are local taxes. They'll be higher than like New York. OK, someone said in the chat, Nevada. Nevada, yes. I feel like that's, we just—that's that's eight. I, I feel like we, we just need—we just need to, to simplify and, and just, you know, not even worry about the details of whether you know it's this property tax or this sales tax or whatnot. You know, no, I mean, all, all the, the the purpose. It, it's it's there's all the stuff with MMT. You know, we talk about MMT and whatnot, and and to me, one of the key things that we should be getting at from MMT theory is that South Dakota, you know, what is bad, the purpose Eric. of South taxes? South Dakota was the ninth one. Sorry, Eric. Cool. Cool. And so, you know, I, I know Roger will agree with this too. Like, like with, with MMT, you know, it's, it's, yeah, part of it is, is the whole money thing. And yeah, the government creates money at will and whatnot. The other part of it is what are taxes for? Now there's the, the, you know, the standard thing of taxes are to pay for things, you know, but you know, at the federal level, if you're a currency issuer, then that's not what taxes are for. So then what are they for? The purpose of the taxes is to cycle the money back in. That's that's the, the really the only purpose, because, of course, you can't just keep creating money and just have that 
you know, of course, it'll be inflationary eventually. So you have to cycle the money back in. So then when you cycle the money back in, then it's all a question of who do you cycle the money back in from? And in theory, you know, you should have like the same percentage from everyone or, or based on, on their wealth or, or whatnot. And so, you know, but instead we have all these crazy different taxes and, and, and property and sales and whatnot. And, and it, it's basically just the whole complicated system where the end result is the rich, the ultra wealthy have a lower tax burden and everyone else has to make up the rest of it. And it, it's just, it's wealth transfer. And so yeah. I, I just feel like we should be just demanding like a simple tax system. It just get rid of all the taxes except on large incomes and on huge corporations. The rest of it, just get rid of it. Why can't we do that, right? That makes sense. Is that a part of the demands, Eric? Is that on what it is? That's right. Yeah, that, that actually does make sense. You know who had something similar to that was, um, he passed away, but remember Herman Cain? <laughs> nine, nine, nine. You remember that? And he was like, let's just do a flat tax. And I was like, what? But like, I look, look back on it. I mean, I think his was uh, still a little bit too much, but looking back on it, I think he was yeah. right in the sense that like, why do we have all these different you got to be careful with the flat Wasn't tax people the, because we, we need a progressive tax. But anyway, sorry, go ahead, Roger. No, I was just going to say a flat tax usually hurts low income people. <laughs> You're saying the same thing. Oh, okay. That's the, that's the thing. That's why it has to be a progressive tax. Believe me, if we had a flat tax, you'd hear, you, you'd be getting, getting an earful from people like JB. <laughs> He'd be telling you, no, this is crazy. I can't afford this stuff. So demand number 10, revamp taxation and funding, abolish all taxes except for highly progressive income taxes, wealth taxes, and taxes on large corporations. I think that, I that only, makes sense. Know, I, I think that could actually work. I but no, said, I think that could actually work because the corporations, they have the money to pay it. Go ahead, Roger. But, but here's, here's the thing. Um... People like Musk, Bezos, Gates, and the Walton family, they don't represent the majority of wealthy people in the country. That was, you know, they're kind of like old school billionaires from a time way back when we made things in this country. You see what I'm saying? Most of the people who are wealthy are the people you don't know about that we never talk about which are the people who make money off of money, but don't produce and offer anything tangible to society. These are the people who, who make money off of derivatives, speculation, stock transfer, stock buybacks, high frequency trading, carried interest, all that stuff. And they don't, they don't, they don't contribute nothing. They just leech off society. Those are the people that we should be targeting with, with targeting the taxes. As far as as far as people like Musk and Bezos and all of them, we should be talking about revoking that corporate charter and reissuing out um, cooperative charters instead and just have the workers just take over their companies. That's a good idea as well. I mean that's that's all really interesting. Ashura, what's your, your take on this? Yeah, I just want to finish on the RFK part. Um, I don't know. I, I, I saw the RFK thing, and he's like, 
he seems like walking on thin ice when it comes to Ukraine. He's like praising Ukraine on one side and then say Russia's the bad guy on the other. And he's saying that Ukraine, we need to, we're, we're there for good reasons in Ukraine. What good reasons are there? He explained this more in his speech. Like, I have to go back and watch. I actually have not sat down and actually watched that thing. But in his speech, what I remember him saying was, we have to stop. He said, we have to stop calling people Nazis and Putin puppets. And he said that if the idea, which is what it seems like, if the idea is for the U.S. government to create regime change in Russia, why the why are we there? Like we should we should not be there. The idea was supposed to be what's told to the American people is to save the people in Ukraine and protect them from the powers of of Russia, right? Okay. And to make sure that they keep that that territory. But what has been revealed is the fact that no, nah, this is really about regime change in Russia. So that means like when they make these comments, let's fight to the last Ukrainian, that means that the U.S. government is willing. I, I want people to really understand this because I feel like I've heard them make these comments on mainstream media and no, it doesn't seem to click with the American people what they're saying. What they're saying is, is that even if all the Ukrainians die, the U.S. still thinks it's worth it to have regime change in Russia. That's really what they're saying. So they're really not trying. They're not trying to save anybody. Real always comes back to the money, of course. You know, it's profitable. The Raytheon and Boeing and the contractors, they they are making bank. So if you want, to me, that's the real reason. Everything else is secondary. Yeah, sure. Look at his website because he has a statement about Russia and Ukraine on his website. I was actually on Bree. I called into Bree's show last night and Bree read the whole statement. Okay, because it seems like what he says, like, in front of the camera is not the same thing what's written. So it yeah. seemed to me like he he was like doing both sides, like try to say I'm pro Ukraine over here, Russia bad over here. It's like what same thing Bernie was doing when Bernie was fucking Russia gating. This is something that politicians really suck at. Like I'm I'm sorry, but I was like I you better to, not Russia gate. Yeah, I have to say this. Pol- I've I've seen every politician, at least ones that are running for president, I've seen them do this. They don't repeat the talking points that are from that are on their own website, and it's like you need to know what's on there. And that's what you need to repeat. And it you may sound like a broken record, but that's okay. Because people will remember what you said, right? Bernie yeah. sounded like a broken record, right? Keep saying Medicare for all and all that kind of stuff, but people remember it. So I think that is something I, I have noticed that politicians, because Marianne did this too. And I'm like, that's not what it says on the website, you know? So it's like with the reparations conversation, that's why I was like, you have to know what's on that site. And that's what you should be saying. Uh, once you yeah. start to veer from that, people are gonna. That's also you. that's also another another subject. When you were on that, um, when you were basically a, you were basically the streaming the the live thing, and I was somebody in your chat. I forgot the name. He said, "No black agenda, no vote," and because he was saying that through different sentences, somebody got mad because he, he didn't have a black agenda. What? Yeah. No, 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 no. It's it's like somebody got no. Somebody got mad because he was spreading that over and over and over. It says we need a black agenda. If there's no black agenda, I'm not gonna vote. And somebody okay. got mad because somebody said that in a chat. He said, "Stop spamming it." Oh, stop saying black agenda. 
Oh, did he did he repeat it over and over and over? Yeah, he repeated it. He repeated he repeated it in in multiple different sentences. But you got you got what he meant. He wanted a black agenda. He wanted reparations in the chat. And somebody was like, "Stop spamming that." I'm like, "Let him talk." It, it it's a speech. It, it's it's the virtual uh, free speech speech zone. I'm like, "Let him talk." If he wants to talk about reparations, let him do that. Yeah. If he wants a black vote. He he has to basically say reparations. I don't see him. Is that on his platform? I don't think so. I mean, this is one of the things that I would mention to him. I would mention that to him. I would mention the Huru, like what just happened to Amali Yeshitela. I would mention that yeah. to him. Like, how does he feel about that? Um, granted, that's that's fairly recent, but I would mention that to him as well. Uh, also, healthcare. That's another thing. Like, where's the med- he brought up healthcare in his speech, but I didn't hear him say Medicare for all. I thought he said, and Eric, you'll have to let me know because it was we were so busy. I was hard for me to pay attention to everything, but. You have to let me know. Did he mention? Because I thought he said something like everybody should have health care. Yeah, I'm sure he did. It's you know with that with that whole speech, and it was so long. Um, yeah, it, it felt like he, <laughs> the whole thing. He would say like three really base things, good things, and then he would say one thing that just sounded like a a Democratic Party talking point, yeah. and then he yeah, would do some more base things, and then he would do another thing where he's just like, "What? Cringe." So yeah. I I don't know. I just. There was, there was a part when he was talking, like, I got mad. There's like, Sabrina, you told me he was going to talk for 20 minutes. Still talking. <laughs> I to a savvy. Like, Sabrina, you told me he was going to do it for 30, 20, 30 minutes. He kept talking. I'm like, it was more about his family, the good old Democratic Party. I'm like, bro, we ain't going to talk about yourself or your policies. Yo, I know. Like, okay, so I actually had lunch plans with someone after that. Like, um, Maya, she she's a part of United Front Against Displacement, so like she she's like really awesome. But anyway, um, the organization she works with, they do like housing, like work, like in Boston. Like I've interviewed them before; they've been on RBN a couple times. Like they're awesome peoples. So I told her, sure, let's meet for lunch at one, right around the corner at Maggiano's. And so like one o'clock comes around, and I said, Maya, I'm sorry, I, I think you know, could you? give me like another extra 20 minutes because he's still talking. And she says, sure, I'll do some work in the meantime. One pretty comes around. I'm like, Maya, he's still talking. I'm so sorry. Two o'clock comes around. I said, Maya, I'm so sorry. He's still talking. Please just give me like another 30 minutes. We walked out of there, what, 2.30, Eric? Yeah, and I, I thought we might like do some interviews after and whatnot. But after that speech, everyone was just like, <laughs> out of here. <laughs> People peace out. Like, I've never seen people get up and leave that fast. Like, usually people will hang around for a bit, but everybody was like, okay, time to go. Because he started, <laughs> the event now, started yeah. at uh, 1130 and they started right on time, which I'm also not used to. Usually they don't. And this guy talked for like two straight hours, like no bathroom break or nothing. Like, I was like, he's still going. So, and yeah. then I got hangry because I hadn't eaten <laughs> since like 630 that morning. Yeah, I noticed that when you talk in third person is when you're tired. <laughs> you're tired or hungry. Sabby hungry. <laughs> it, was a, it was a pretty wild event, you know. And it, it was it was like it, it did feel like a really kind of like a high end presidential event. It, these guys, these security guys, all over the place, which of course they would be, but just the whole crowd. It was this real. You had this whole front section with the seats of this VIP section that even the press couldn't go in. You know, and there's all, you know, so that's all the money. But even the next section was a seated section. And I don't know what you had to pay to get in there because the 
the five dollar tickets to get in were the standing room. Wait, you got to pay to get in there? Yeah, you had to pay five bucks to even get in at all. And then they, but they made you an offer. You get VIP starting at two hundred fifty dollars. Oh come yeah. on! You you would think that this guy's running for president. He should have made that thing free. No, that's not uncommon with announcements. Like with the presidential announcement speech, it's not uncommon for them to charge, oh, especially if up. it's indoors. Oh, that's fucked up. Five dollars is nothing compared to what I've seen. I just know that uh, I would. I wouldn't pay ask people to pay me nothing if I'm running for president. Since you're going to be asking people to pay you to run for president, but that's probably part of the fundraising, the grassroots yeah. fundraising. Yeah, it did say that on the website. It said like, you know, like please contribute the five dollars to help towards. Like that's that's not uncommon. That is typical. to make sure you weren't a bot. You know. Yeah, that too. But I didn't do the poll. I would say I, di- I didn't participate in your poll. I didn't see an option that wanted me to vote on the poll. Did again? I don't live in the. It, it was a like, gun to your head poll. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, where, where's the part in the poll that says neither one of those candidates, if they run for the duopoly? Yeah, I couldn't add that. <laughs> Unfortunately, with the YouTube polls, I can only put four options. But aren't you the one that you know kind of writes the polls? Or yeah, but then how would I have done? I guess what okay. I was trying to see is like, how would I have done like? Yes, for one for third party, or you see what I'm saying? Oh, you should ask me. I'll, I'll tell you what you need to write. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because okay. I'm not the best. I will admit, I'm not the best with polls. I don't know if you guys have noticed that, but I'll, I'll be like, oh, no, I should have worded that differently. When I worked at BU, like, we actually had this tool called Qualtrics, and Qualtrics would actually um, it would tell you whether or not your poll was correct. And if it didn't think it was good enough, Qualtrics would tell you what you needed to change. So I am spoiled because I used to use that thing all the time. And I was like, okay, I'll change this nut. <laughs> I see a lot of people are still wanting to go back to the Democratic Party. I'm like, I thought you said you were done with uh, both parties. I mean, why are you going back just because some guy that you like that said a couple of things you like and he's going back into the party? Did all those people say that, though? I and I, 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 I like 3%. I, I ask I asked that because when we were at the when we were at the event, we ran into people that are RBN subscribers. Didn't we, Eric? We ran into we had a few people, people that were some of the call out savvy, savvy. It might be a show. Yeah. yeah. Like the, it was people like one two of the people I had met before, but the other people, that was my first time seeing them. Um, except for like on stream, because some of the people that confronted politicians, like they were there, like oh, yeah, I was wondering you, if like, those guys were going to do something, but but they didn't. Uh, yeah, no, well, they were all in for RFK Jr. Like he told me oh, when really? I met him in the lobby, he was all in. I mean, these, so, these, I'll say, these I'll say Schiller, this I'll, what do you call I'll it? Rouge guy, people are weird. But anyway, sorry, you're sure. I'll say this one thing, and I'll just log off and let people in. Um, I don't think uh, RFK RFK should probably just go third party. I don't think he should basically, he said, run under an independent. Look at Bernie Sanders. He runs under independent, and he still gives Democrat Party what they want. So they can just grab any word they want that basically leftists like, and they call themselves that. Like, I mean, the word progressive used to be for leftists. Hillary Clinton basically said that she was progressive in 2016. And now any fucking Democrat like uh, Christian Cinema is not calling herself independent. So they basically get to um, mask themselves 
as basically people of the of the left movement, just to make sure you keep voting for the Democratic Party. With that, I'm just uh, gonna. Well, I mean, one thing is I just wanted to say, as far as like this question of like, you know, why are people gravitating to RFK? Why are they buying it? Why are they giving it a chance? And what I would say is that there, people are are hungry for some kind of solution, some kind of path, some kind of way to to you know get out of this hellscape, and so. If if the only things that are on offer are like Bernie when he was running or, or Mary Ann or an RFK, then then that's you know the only choice people have. And and so that's why I've been trying to push that in our little corner of the left, a real left, is that we, we need to be showing some kind of a path, some kind of a a potential solution of, of how we, we can get there. If, if all we're ever going to do in our little corner of the left is just to point out the problems and it's so terrible and the government's terrible and the other, the, the fake lefties and the fake progressives are terrible. And then, and then we kind of say, okay, see you next time. Then, you know, why but, would anybody follow us or but, sign on but, to us in a big way? But, I mean, that's, you know that's why I keep kind of trying to talk about demands and try to have a real path to, to getting somewhere. I thinking looking at it in hindsight, I wish I would have thought those people that you said, Sabrina, that was getting uh, like, oh, I'm all enthused about RK Jr. Um, did you remind them about Debbie Wasserman Schultz and the DNC fraud lawsuit? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they know all of that. Like, these aren't like people. These are like okay. long time, long time subs and stuff like that. But the thing is, is that they are getting behind him on the anti-war message and that and that alone, like that's the big one for them or it's the mandates thing, like the, the vaccine mandates and stuff like that. So I think that everyone that I've spoken to and I've received a number of emails ever since I went to this event, I haven't even made it through all of them yet, but the ones that I've made it through, they're from people of all different political ideologies. People who are Republican told me that they will switch to vote for him. People who are independent said he has their support. People who are Democrats said he has their support. But I think one thing to keep in mind is that not everyone who watches my show or RBN believes in leaving the Democratic Party. There are people, we do have viewers that still support that, that, uh, that strategy. Got it, got it, got it. Because um, the only, only reason why I say that, remember what I said last time, you know, about... You know, when I said, uh, if you want to keep your um, integrity, they're not going to choose you. If they do choose you, then I have to question your integrity because they're not just going to choose you and you keep your integrity. Right. But also looking in hindsight, I wish I would have thought to say to you, um, hey, when you got all those people together, ask them about helping you with a Massachusetts ballot initiative. You know, for single payer and, and and what do you call it, the public bank and so on and so forth. Clean elections, Roger. Clean elections. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know and, yeah. And I didn't. I didn't have. I didn't have that much time to talk to them because I was. Well, I hear you. Yeah, but I, I, I know what you hear. But but they're supposed to reconnect with me anyway because they uh, okay. do want to do some events and stuff here. So. But yeah, I think the thing is, is, this is something to keep in mind, even like the people that are part of like that Schiller Institute, like Jose and all of them, just keep in mind, they never, I've never heard them say 
that they don't want to participate in the duopoly. I've never heard them say that. So just keep that in mind. What's up, cousin well, Eric? Eric? You just have to unmute Eric. I think this is, is this Florida, Eric? I think this is Florida, Eric. I hope you're not stuck in a glitch, yeah, Eric. That's Eric Gray. Okay. Because <laughs> there's there's multiple Eric's. Maybe, well, maybe we should uh, bring in Noel for a while while uh, Eric. Maybe Gray's microphone is grayed out. It could be. That's why you guys <laughs> have told me this before. That sometimes I saw it, what you did there, Roger. <laughs> oh, go ahead, uh, Noel, while we wait for uh, Eric. Um, good evening, everybody. Um, as I was listening, you know, uh, both about the Uhuru situation and the RFK announcement. Um, and you know, my perspective is always plantation nation. I just think, um, it's really, we're in a really bad place. I think people are desperate. And I think RFK is walking a tightrope because he is seeking the Democratic nomination where there is an incumbent president. So we know that is an uphill battle. And we also know that he knows how the Democratic apparatus works. So he is, and he's aligned with Dennis Kucinich as his campaign manager. So we know that he's trying to get a certain messaging out there. Um, I don't think he really believes that um, he is going to get the nomination, but I think just like Marianne Williamson, they have this notion or or even Bernie Sanders that they can push Joe Biden left um, or if something unforeseen happens to Biden, because, you know, he is rather unstable and this and that. They're trying to, you know, make themselves available, I think. But I think it's just really sad because I don't think enough Americans have come to accept that it really is the system and that neither party is going to yield to anything acceptable to the working poor and poor. They're going to vomit up these mutually unacceptable alternatives like they do. And it really is a, you know, a shit show of sorts. And I just see it as circus. I see all of these events as indications of how we are unraveling as a society. You know, the Uhuru movement debacle is as much about, you know, painting someone in a um, alignment with Russia to push the Russia red scare thing as anything else. And it's just like, I think our, with respect to our foreign policy, RFK is trying to straddle that fence because, again, he knows he's running within the Democratic quarters. And so everything is so predictably discombobulated to me. And I just see all of this as an indication that we're really in a bad place. Um, the government, I think we're really beyond the point that we can be governable, so to speak, mm -hmm. trying to maintain the status quo. They don't know what to do with foreign policy. We've entered into this microaggression thing that is a typical indicator of 
um, the collapse of empire. And I just, you know, we see the multipolarity of the world emerging. We see China taking center stage and working through diplomacy and America has boxed itself in with this military posture. They don't know how to get out. They have the military industrial complex, you know, with bated breath waiting for the next exploitation so they can go in and, you know, exploit all the resources of the companies, of the countries that have been destabilized and it's just not working anymore. And I don't think the people that we have called leaders have any idea of how to appreciably turn this thing around because as we have said on many occasions, capitalism kills, it is the root of everything and the people in power really collectively don't have any plans to change from it and so they're just trying to, you know, stabilize it. But it leads to a type of fascism because you have this merger of the governance and corporate state and big money and all those things. And when all of those forces come together, it is not going to be anything that even resembles what we have thought to be a democracy. It's going to be some type of inverted totalitarianism or something of that fact, but it will be a version of authoritarianism. And I just think it's all really sad. And I can't personally take any of it seriously because I know it is so predictably broken. No, well, I have to tell you, I didn't get to see many comments when I was at the event, but I did see some and I saw yours and your comment was the funniest Noel sent a comment during the uh, announcement that said, oh boy, let's get ready for this political, uh, what was it, political, <laughs> I think it was political what? Pageantry. Pageantry, that's what it was. <laughs> it's Bay State royalty. You, yeah, I have to tell you guys, like, I was not expecting that many people to be there. I really, I was like, it's probably gonna be like 50, maybe 80 at best. And then Eric said, holy shit, look at all those people behind you. Because once I sat down in the press area, like I didn't look behind me. And Eric said, there's a shit ton of people. Behind. <laughs> I was like, what? And so I guess they made some of those people they had to send to the overflow rooms. But but I think the thing is, is like, I was like, for reals? Like, I was not expecting that many people to show up to this. I really was not and the people were like enthusiastic too. They had their signs and they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, really? <laughs> RFK was an environmental attorney. So, and an environmental activist. So he has a following way before now based on his own work. And they keep introducing him in the mainstream media saying, you know, the anti-vax candidate, the anti-vax. But there are a lot of people for whom his messaging resonates. And as you say, if they take the time to listen to what he is saying, they would understand it better. But I think, you know, the major media outlets are just one trick ponies. They're on one message. You know, I just listened to this thing where Greenwald was talking about BuzzFeed unwinding. Girl. And, you know, people are just 
sick of, I think people have an idea that they're being lied to, especially with this big thing of Fox News paying that big settlement. And I think people are desperate. People understand that this government is not working, but they just don't know what else to do. And nobody is really trying to advocate for something different that would work for the poor and working class Americans. And as a matter of fact, I always, I believe, like I say, this is a plantation nation and the people who are running the plantation have no more concern about the welfare of the virtual slaves than did the original plantation owners. They're just trying to make sure their nest stay feathered and that no one pulls the curtain and exposes that they're a bunch of clowns. And I think this, you know, they're just going to ride it till the wheels fall off because they don't really know what else to do. It's just scary. People are desperate, I, I, I do think. And I think that um, I think people are still looking for a hero. Like when I was sitting there, you know, I'm just there doing my job, basically. But as I'm sitting there, I see I saw the enthusiasm in the room. And you know what? In a way it made me sad a little bit because it brought me back to that same type of energy and enthusiasm I felt during Bernie Bernie Sanders Sanders, campaign. Exactly. I just thought to myself, Noel, I said, Bernie and Obama. Yeah. I was like, these people are going to be so disappointed. And it was just, you know, it was just hard. And like, I already had people like coming after me, like after that event on social media saying, Oh, why didn't you cover Marianne's announcement? And I said, First of all, Marianne's announcement was in D.C. I don't live in D.C. and I can't afford to go to D.C. every month. And I was just there in February. Two, his announcement was here in Boston. I am here. This don't cost me a thousand dollars. That's the difference. Every time I go to D.C., that's like a thousand bucks, guys. I'm not kidding. Just for like the travel and the accommodations, like hotels in D.C. are fucking expensive. I'm like, holy shit, you know? So... That's the thing. But I'm just there like doing my job. And the thing is, if Marianne would have announced here, which she wouldn't have announced here, I would have covered that event just like I covered this event. Doesn't mean I support the person. Now, I will say, like I said before, RFK Jr. needs to be running as an independent. I think he knows this in his heart of hearts. He knows. He knows. It's just like, like I said, like I reached out. We'll see if I get the interview. If I get the interview, I'm I'm going to tell him like, look, dude, well, what is this, man? What what is happening? But even if you get and this is scary. We had President Obama came forward with hope and change, and he tapped into a large sentiment across the nation, and he wins. Then we have Bernie Sanders coming, saying, you know. Medicare for all this and that, and he did it twice. Then we have Trump saying, I see you forgotten man, and I'm going to bring back manufacturing. So what we see through these last set of cycles is that people know the sentiment. These people who are running for this office can tap into the sentiment of widespread and a cross-section of America but no one delivers. Mm -hmm. And just like you say, I feel that same type of sadness because I'm saying, you know, RFK has the capacity as does Marianne Williamson for that fact 
to tap into that broad spectrum sentiment of discontent around the nation, but nobody can deliver on it. And when you run through these parties, we know that there is enough apparatus around the party to prevent you from doing any of the real substantive stuff. And the change, just like any on any other plantation, is going to have to come from the bottom up. But I think we have been groomed and cultivated in this nation to listen to the media and this and that. And I think the, the majority of Americans who are not participating in independent media are still just being led to slaughter. They want to believe that someone cares for them. And the reality is none of them do. Obama doesn't, Trump doesn't, Bernie Sanders didn't enough to make the right decisions. Marianne Williamson is playing the game, so she's not willing to, to stand apart. And against that whole panoply of characters and con artists, I see people like Shama Sewan who is holding to the course, speaking mm -hmm. and being a woman of her word and working to try and help the people. But that we have too far, few and in between of those type of political personalities at this time. And I just think, you know, I don't see a way where we can arrest what is going on in a timely enough fashion to change the course of this behemoth that's just out of control, out of control. Well, let's bring in, I'm sorry, some of the comments in the chat are funny. Someone in the chat said, RFK Jr. stands are just Bernie 3.0 rad libs. <laughs> okay, cousin Eric, Eric, can you unmute? If not, I'm going to move on to the next person. And then if you just get back in the queue, I'll bring you back in because I think you might be stuck in a glitch. Yeah, I think you're stuck in a glitch. Let's bring in um, Rob. Sorry, Eric. If you get back in the queue, I'll invite you to speak. Go ahead, Rob. Hey, Sabby. How you doing? Hello. Hey, I was there on uh, Wednesday. It was pretty crazy, pretty busy. Did uh, I meet you? Yeah, I, I, I talked to you afterwards. I was, okay, I was yes. commenting I on the, okay. the shortest stream ever, I said. <laughs> That's right. I remember because I told people, I said, this is going to be a short stream because usually these speeches are like maybe 20 minutes. I was definitely wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, it was it was crazy. I, I was I was impressed by that security. Like they were taking it super serious. I'm, I'm guessing they might have been Secret Service or something, but they were they were scanning the room the whole time. Like they they were not messing around, which kind of made me a little scared. It was like, what are they? What are they expecting is going to happen here? But well, did you, know, you notice? Can I ask you a question, Rob? Yeah. Did you have a beverage when you were coming in? Through I I, I didn't take one. I I heard because they were giving out those boxes of water, and then I but I heard them say that they're not going to let you bring it in. But then they were giving them out on the inside again. So okay. I don't let know. me explain something to you guys, okay? For those who don't know, beverages. I don't. Don't tell no. <laughs> I don't. I don't drink coffee. Cool. You let me buy. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, I don't drink coffee, but I drink tea. And tea is my baby, okay? That's my thing. So I had a cup of tea. I, I had my tea, and I 
took it with me on the way there. I get upstairs to go through security. I maybe had three sips of the tea and that's it. I'm still like half asleep. And the security was like, you can't bring in beverages. I was like, what? (laughs) He was like, you can leave it there and then come in or you can go finish it downstairs. And I was like, I'm going to go downstairs and I'm going to drink this tea. So then I went downstairs, had to go through another security. Then I had to tell the guy, look, they're not letting people bring beverages in. Because everybody had, because it was right next to the Starbucks inside the hotel. So almost everybody had a beverage. And so I went downstairs. I was like, where am I going to drink this? I'm going to go sit in the Starbucks. And then I got to the Starbucks and I was like, I don't even want this tea anymore. So then I got in line at the Starbucks and I was like, I'm going to get a matcha green tea. So I got the matcha, gulped that down, then went back upstairs. Then this time when I tried to go through the, the metal detector, I'm buzzing. And they're like, it could be your ring. Ma'am, will you take off your rings? And I was like, it's my wedding ring. He said, take it off. So I took off the ring, put it in the bin. And I'm like eyeing it the whole time. Like my husband would, I, like, I think my husband would die. Like if I lost my wedding ring. So I was just like, what? I go through the metal detector and I buzz again anyway. And they said, maybe it's your belt buckle. And I was like, why am I taking off my belt? And they're like, you got buckles on your shoes too, ma'am. Like, it was just funny. Like, I was just like, dude. And so, anyway, I eventually got through. Was this a strip tease? <laughs> yeah, I set it off, too. And I, I think it was my belt buckle, but I, I had metal on my shoes. But they were kind of cool about it. They just kind of, they're like, oh, it's, it's your belt buckle. Don't worry about it. And they let me in. It kind of depends on who you get. You know, you, you can get some guys that are cool. Like, I, 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 I had all these, like, snacks, and I, like, two water bottles and a and a thermos of coffee and and i had a backpack because i had all the gear to record with and so i go up to this guy and <laughs> and he starts looking in the backpack and he sees all this stuff and he's just he's just like well oh, it's, okay just just don't tell nobody <laughs> yeah there was another was guy that, the that um he showed up i guess he came in earlier and then he left and then came back and after i came through he was like they said, you can't bring lighters in here. And he was like, but that guy right there let me in the first time. And he said the lighters were fine. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. Oh, this is theater. a mess. Yeah. I'll just, you know. Yeah, I, I usually have like a little pocket knife in my pocket. And I made sure I left it at home because I knew that would probably be a problem. But, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I was, I was surprised. Um, did, did you notice uh, Anthony Shriver there? I didn't so. see him, but I did see David Weigel. Oh, yeah, he's um. Oh yeah, Weigel was there. Kennedy yeah. Shriver's son. Um, she she did the spe- She started the Special Olympics, and then he's he's still involved with disabled people. But I think he's like the only the only one from like the Kennedy family that's really supporting him. Oh, he was. He's that real tall. He looks like a can. He, he kind of looks like Joe Kennedy a little. But he's a Shriver. It's um, I think it's I okay. think it's JFK's sister's kid, um, Eunice. But okay, that makes sense because for people who don't know, like the Kennedys, like they have so many stories. Like I could write a book about this shit. I'm not kidding. I could write a book just about all the accidents that happened with the Kennedy family. Oh my god, yeah, totally. But um, well, what did, what did you think about it, Rob? Well, I, yeah, it was it was very long, and 
I I almost think he should have some kind of auto tune for his voice. I don't, I don't want to give him crap about his voice. I know he can't do anything about it, but like in a in a crowded room like that, and if he's going to talk for like two hours, you get you miss a lot of it. Like I had to I had to go back and just you know listen to it in a quiet room and hear the parts I missed. But uh, I can you, I, the, can you explain to people, Rob, though what like why he has that issue. Because I don't think everyone understood. I saw some people on social media saying he needs to clear his voice. No, yeah, it's 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 something. It's something that happened to one of his kids. I forget the name of it too. It's got some weird name, but I I might come on through stress or something. I mean, he did. His no, uncle I, was assassinated. His father was assassinated. So I, I, I think know. I think it's a medical condition with, with yeah, it's it's yeah. yeah, it's it's nothing he can do anything about. I don't you know it's. it's it's like that for the rest of his life, but I mean, you can you can still understand him, but it's just in in that setting. And if he's going to talk for two hours, I would, ugh, you know, I would I would keep it short if I were him. But uh, I was re- I really wanted to hear his Ukraine stance, so I went back and listened to that. And I I remember in the room, I was I was a little disappointed by it. He 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 started strong. He's like, oh, we got to have a mature. Yeah, it didn't depend on which part. You know, he he said both ways. Yeah, right? I mean, some of it was good, but he's like, yeah. he's like, we got to have a mature conversation about it. You know, no, no calling names. No, don't call people Nazis or Putin puppets. And I was like, I was like, OK. And he and but then he had this thing about um, only only doing wars in our national interest, which I, I thought was kind of weird. I, I'm thinking the only war that's I'm really still waiting for one of those. <laughs> is 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 when somebody attacks us and we have to defend ourselves that's that's really the only one in our national interest so you know i don't i don't think there's ever a good reason to go unless uh, actually except for what putin's doing now i'd make that exception but and I that's can... not even and, and on his website it doesn't even say that it says something different and that's the thing like you know i i don't know what he was trying to do i felt like he was trying to walk the fence with certain issues too Definitely, yeah. And then he, he referred to as uh, our most respected diplomats, and the first name he mentions is Henry Kissinger, and I was like, whoa, <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, and then he says, then we're, we're in Ukraine for all the right reasons, because we are a good people. We are there for our compassion. And then he says, the, uh, the UK people were brutalized and illegally invaded, and his son Connor is in the Foreign Legion as a machine yep. gunner in the Kharkiv offensive, and I, I, you know, he seems very proud of that. That that was a major red flag for me. Um, well, you know, he his... had that conversation on um, uh, Megan Kelly's podcast, and he told her that he tried to explain to his son that this isn't it. And he said, but his son decided, no, this is what I want to do. So. This is the thing about family and I've run into the situation myself is like, I can educate them as much as I want to, but at the end of the day, they make their own decision. But you're right. He shouldn't have said that whole thing about we're in Ukraine because we're good people. Like when I heard him say that, I was like, no, we're actually not. <laughs> no, it's like, don't you understand? We're trying to sell a lot of weapons to them. And like, don't you understand all this money that we sent over there? Like, that's not why we're there. It's funny it's though, because, because then, then he'll come back and, and then he will talk about the military industrial complex and basically yeah. say it is all about the money. So it's like, it, it, he went, he goes like back and forth. I don't know. Yeah. This I mean, he some... said we shouldn't be there for regime change. And I mean, he gets, yeah. he gets some of it, right. 
So he but, could be similar to Tulsi Gabbard in that sense, where she opposes like the regime changes, but he still may seem some for, I, I don't know. Like, I know like somebody emailed me, like after I did, um, I went on the Kim Iverson show the other night to talk about this event. And after that interview, I got more emails. And one of the emails that I saw, someone said, Sabby, I saw you say on Kim's show that he didn't call out Joe Biden. FYI, I've been informed the reason why he didn't do that is because he has something that he needs to reveal at a later time. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, is, is he going to do that? I thought you spot on Iverson was interesting. I, I was worried because I saw some things she put on Twitter that looked like she was like really in his camp. And I was worried it was, it was going to be like, like she was going to say it. Wasn't he so great, savvy? And, and you'll be like, well, uh, but no, you both kind of agreed it was a mixed bag. So I thought it was a mm-hmm. good spot. And, and then I noticed all the all the local news is, is pretty much jumping on the that he's an anti-vaxxer and all that. They're leading with that. Oh, he's anti-vax? Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Newsflash. This just in. Um, so, yeah, like, is he even going to get any coverage in the media? They just going to crap all over him like they did with Bernie and, you know, Listen, just ignore someone, him. Speaking of coverage, someone sent me this. I just now saw it. I'm sorry. I would have showed it tonight. Someone said, Sabby, I saw this today and it angered me. So this must be a local person. How much attention should Massachusetts give Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s presidential run? Right. They should give me a lot, but they don't. That's you, I mean, local media. I, I was looking all over for like the clips of it, and it, it was buried. There was a there's a there was a truck that drove off a ledge at a gas station. I don't know if you saw that story, but that was that was like all over the web pages, and you know the RFK was buried. So they don't really care. Not only that, not that many people streamed it either, because at one point I looked up and I was like. Holy shit, it's 1.2k people watching the stream. And wow. I was like, there I can't be the only one streaming this. But apparently, I guess I guess other people weren't because Kim told me she was like you were the only one I could find and then they had that Twitter space and what I should have done, I didn't think about it at the time. I think it was Mastermind Hour that said it in the comments said Sabby add in the Twitter the Twitter space audio to your stream and at the time I wasn't thinking clearly and I was like yeah I don't know how to do that but I could have done that what I could have done was just shared my screen shared that Twitter space minimize it uh, mute all the other videos and unmute the Twitter space so we would have had the audio from the Twitter space and you would have had our video I don't know if we could have done that on the cell phones though because we were out there using cell phones maybe I don't know. We would have to have. Uh, I, I think next time I should have brought um, my lap my laptop. But I I, I could have done that. And I think- yeah. See, we didn't know. See, going into this, we we had no idea what what we were going to find. Whether we were just going to have to stand around and do things. So it turned out, you know, we got a couple seats at this long table that was all press, and it was all filled up. And and luckily, we got a couple seats behind us. Were like the big like a, lined up a whole bunch of professional professional press cameras 
like, like we're back there. At, at one point at the end, I was uh, people were standing up, and I was I was holding the tripod up high in the air to try to just keep catching the action. And then and then a guy with with one of the, the professional cameras in the in the back he yells, "Camera down!" <laughs> like, yeah, I, I should have told you I'm that's. Like, <laughs> I should have told you that's a standard in broadcast journalism that you don't block another camera. I, I didn't know I was doing it. So he, 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 you know, friend, friendly reminded me. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, I was surprised they even had chairs. Cause like, usually when we go to events, like there's no sitting. So I was prepared to stand the whole time, but they this actually was a had professional seats. press setup. Yeah, it, it really was. And then I think that, um, you know, you live and you learn and like I'm getting more like experience like doing this. So I think that, you know, I talked to Ford Fisher, who you guys are probably familiar with. He covers like everything. And uh, he gave, he told me that um, what he does, like what he uses and that kind of thing. But he also said like, if the Wi-Fi, the Wi-Fi is glitchy, then he said even his live streams can be a little tricky like that too. Yeah, but again, if we knew going in and we didn't know this, we didn't know going in that there was going to be a Twitter space and we didn't know that they were actually going to try to live stream it on their website. But for whatever reason, they had difficulty getting the live stream going. Remember that, Eric? Yeah, the other press people were there and they and they kept talking to the people in charge and they were saying, no, we're sorry, we're trying to get the live stream going, but it, it's not working. And then after a while, when we were there, the the, the, the press people beside us saying, oh, do you have a live stream going? And, and what's the channel? And they were they were they were going to like hop on our live stream just to have something, I guess. Yeah, because nobody else was doing it. And I think I think people were expecting to piggyback off of that live stream on the website. Mm-hmm. And if we could have, if we could have gotten near one of the speakers with like the microphone, like like we might have gotten decent audio, but mm-hmm. but we couldn't get near the speakers, and there was just they, it, and maybe with a different microphone, we actually ordered a, another like a, a shotgun mic that might work better for some of these situations. But like Oz, like like Oz, um, um, Oz says, you know, audio is Satan. It, it just it'll beat you up. <laughs> yeah. So Reuters, they were there. They streamed it. That that was actually the guy standing next to me when I moved closer. Remember we moved closer, Eric? That yeah. guy, he had uh, the camera and he was able to zoom in and they were live streaming. The the, the, the high-end guys might might get a, a, a patch line right to the audio board too. Like if you're if you're a high-end or if you know the audio guy, you could get like a wire and patch in. You know, you, oh. when you get into the, the professional level and the, this stuff, it, it's a whole different ballgame. You know, it's just... I want to grab um one second, Eric. I want to grab Amanda really quick because Amanda was saying something in the chat, and now I can't scroll back down. Go ahead, uh, Amanda. Just unmute. Hey, Savvy. Thank you. Um, so it seems to me that um, just that one little hint, the like first thing that came to mind is our, maybe they're positioning RFK to be the new VP. Because you know they want to get rid of Harris. I mean, they just, she's just not. She's they're not doing anything to raise up her visibility or anything. So, and you know, maybe maybe they think RFK will be able to control Biden a little bit better or something. You think so? I I don't know. I mean, it 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 doesn't it doesn't not make sense. But I don't know if it. I don't know if it does make sense because I don't know what how Camilla is 
looking from the Democrats' point of view. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't pay attention to Democrats because I'm not a Democrat <laughs> or a Republican. I'm not I'm not any party. So Yeah, Kamala's not uh not very favorable since she's right. been DP. But Kamala represents the quote unquote black people, people of color, and you know that's been the most reliable voter block for the Democrats for decades. So they would not risk the perception of mishandling her because they know there would be the risk of disenchanting, you know, their most reliable voter block. Like they like they totally handled Stacey Abrams so well. But Stacey Abrams did not make the ticket because Stacey Abrams would have overshadowed Joe Biden. And so you need a sock puppet in the number two spot. And when you think about it, you couldn't pick almost a more weaker person to put behind Joe Biden. But at this point, Joe Biden really is, I think, mentally compromised And we don't know what they have to do to get him prompt up and pepped up for the few speeches he makes. But if something should happen to him while he is in the office, then the VP becomes a viable, you know, entity. So I could see them wanting Pete Buttigieg instead of Kamala, because he would represent a whole different type of oppressed minority segment of the population. I think RFK as a substitute for Kamala is not the most pragmatic approach because, again, he is strong in his political views. And if something should happen to Joe Biden, I don't think any of the Democrat powers that be would want to see RFK in the seat. I think they feel like they could manage a Pete Buttigieg and move him into the political space in terms of doing what Joe, whatever they say do. I think they don't trust that Kamala just has the skill set to, you know, be focused enough and have enough savvy to do it. I think they trust Pete Buttigieg and he has demonstrated that he is okay in front of the camera in a way that Kamala Harris is not. That giggling that she does is just not there. So, yeah. um, You know, and I think, like I said, RFK would be too strong of a personality and they don't want to contend with him. Listen, I think uh, Pete Buttigieg's problem, though, he's going to run into is the same problem he ran into when he ran for president. Black people don't like Pete. Black people do not like the Pete. He he does not, polling wise, in the black community. I feel people can smell him a mile away and be like, this dude is so fake. Like they, they, they not feeling him. And in reference to Kamala Harris was interesting to me too, was a lot of black people don't feel any type of connection to Kamala Harris either, because she not really, and, and no one, please take this the wrong way, but she didn't really have the experience that a lot of us had in this country. Like she is like, she wants to claim that she's black when it's beneficial for her politically. Because when she was running in California, excuse me, not in California, when she was running for the Senate seat, they were like, how did it feel to be one of the first, you know, black senators? She was like, she said that she, she wasn't black, you know? Yeah. And then it was when she was yeah. running for, like, how did it 
feel to be, you could be the first black. All of a sudden she was black. So I think outside of her, like her elite like circles and outside of her sorors, because she was an AKA, like a lot of black people kind of look at Kamala Harris, like, no, like you only want to claim to be back to be black when it's beneficial for you politically. And we see right through you. And that's the other reason too, why her poll numbers are the way that they are. The support for Kamala Harris, in my opinion, I think is manufactured. I don't think that many people actually really like Kamala Harris like that. Absolutely. Um, there was a, there was something, um, that, uh, Noel had reminded me of, um, when she was talking about, he was, an environmental uh, lawyer. Here's a little factoid for you. So our governor in New York just appointed the uh, the lawyer that represented Chevron against, against Donzinger. Isn't that just the the kitties titties? I'm like, what? What? <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> So she, she, Hochul, Governor Hochul appointed and was confirmed by the state Senate, uh, a Halligan to the highest court as, as associate justice in New York state. So, and the, and the 62 senators and 47 voted for her. And the, we have, uh, 42 Democrat senators. Well, I will say that I think his environmental record kind of speaks for itself, though. I yeah, will yeah. say, like, he's, he's been, that's the kind of thing, like, he's been working on for, for quite some time. I think that, um, I'm curious to hear, like, honestly, if I get the chance to interview him, I'm curious to hear about his take on East Palestine, um, Ohio. Can I just say one other thing? You were talking about his his voice. I, I think what's happened I think what's going on with him is he has vocal nodes and you can have surgery to have them removed, but it's kind of like um why take the risk? You don't have to it if it's not painful. Like singers will get nodes on their on their vocal cords. And I, I think that's I think I heard somebody say that that's that's the case with him, and he just because of the condition that he has, in addition to that, that's causing it. I thought he. It, it I thought he back. had. I thought he had surgery on that. No, or maybe, maybe I don't know. I don't follow his health, but I, I think it is a thing that's like a, a disease. But it could be surgery. But it's but it doesn't it's kind of risky whenever you undergo surgery. So listen, you guys anyway, don't understand. Thank like, you for you're you're welcome, Amanda. And then I'll I'll come back to you, Rob, because I, I know you weren't finished. But you guys gonna understand like the Kennedys have had like some crazy shit happen. Like I don't know if you guys are familiar with Rosemary Kennedy, but Rosemary Kennedy, they gave her a lobotomy. I'm telling you, I could write a book about this. I'm not kidding. Like so much stuff has happened. Michael Kennedy died in a ski accident. JFK Jr. died in a plane accident. It's just, it's, it's so many things that like people just don't know about. And I think Joe Kennedy, I think the original Joe Kennedy, didn't he also die in a plane? Hold on. Let me look this up. Yes. The oldest, the, the eldest son. JFK yes. Jr. died. 
died in a plane. He was flying a plane and he crashed, um, you know, just like just by like Martha's Vineyard somewhere. He he didn't. No, he I think she's talking. I think she's oh. talking about um, Joe JFK, Kennedy, right? The, the eldest son. Oh, Joseph P. Kennedy Jr. Yeah, he he died in like a war, right? I thought he died in a plane. Yeah, World War II. Yeah, but I think he was a fighter pilot. Yeah, yeah combat. Pilot, right. Okay, so yeah, yeah, there you go. But there, there's so much stuff, and then there's like the history, the fact that they said that like Joe Kennedy was connected to the mob and stuff like that too. Like, well, yeah, that's they made their money off of bootlegging, and he was an ambassador to England, I think, for FDR. Yeah, he made the 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 the, the dad made his money off of bootlegging prostitution you know back in the 1900s or something like that 1890s something like that that's how I that's still, how they got all that money i still can't get over the fact that they gave rosemary kennedy kennedy a lobotomy you know that basically like made her like brain dead and they're saying today that basically what they think she may have had was like some form of depression yes. like this is crazy well, that was that's what they used to do back in them days Especially to young women, probably. Yo. Bad. <laughs> I just have. Go ahead. Uh, I'll go ahead. No, I was going to say, I have a funny, sneaking suspicion <laughs> that at some point Trump is going to mock RFK's way of speaking. I could just mm-hmm. see him doing that. And he is so crass. Mm-hmm. You think he might do that? Well, of course he'll do. Well, maybe I, I will say this. Maybe he would have done that when he ran in 2020 or 2016. But I think this time around, because he kind of has a lot of heat on him in reference to his finances, maybe he may not go that route. I don't know. He made fun of the, he I could made fun of the um, handicap guy with the hand. Yeah, that was 2016. Yeah, I, I mean... It, 2016 Trump would have definitely made fun of him, but he's, he seems to have changed a lot. It's a lot more mellow. Not doesn't brag as much. I'm waiting to see if someone going to make fun of Joe Biden, because let's be all real. Like, he's not all there right now. I don't know, Trump yeah. looks like the same old Trump to me, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I just I just thought he was always bragging and he always had to, like, say how he was, like, the greatest at something, you know? He was like... Or he'd be like, I'm the least racist person ever, you know. He'd say yeah, he's talking like about that. how as soon as he gets in, I'll I'll stop the Ukraine war on day one. Well, he whole speech the other day. Yeah, he's going to say that. I mean, it's 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 probably going to be over long before he be, he'd become president anyway. So doesn't really matter. Like that, that he can just <laughs> walk in and be like, "This is in this." I mean, I mean, he could. I mean, be a beautiful piece. Could. Be a bigly beautiful piece. Like you never I mean, seen he before. cut the cut the purse strings on it at least. But uh, I, I just I want to ask you, Sabby, have you ever heard of the uh, Odessa trade union building incident that happened back in 2014 in Odessa? It sounds familiar. Remind me. They, they it was right around right after the the Euromaidan coup, and. Basically, these Donbass and all these places were in um, Crimea were doing the referendums to like 
to become to basically break off from Ukraine and be able to still speak Russian where they lived and not have to speak Ukrainian. They would they were just taking a vote. It was it wasn't violent, but um, so they were doing it by this trade union building in Odessa, and they they bust in like all these soccer fans from like Western Ukraine, and they ended up chasing the people into the building. They set the building on fire. They were shooting at the people inside the building. The people who jumped out of the building to escape the fire, they they beat them with clubs. And it's it's actually on video. It's it's a shorter documentary. It's only like 30 minutes. It's called Burnt Alive in Odessa. And you can find it on Rumble. But it's um it's it's pretty good. It's it gives you a sense of uh the kind of people that Connor Kennedy was fighting for. Yeah, and, and uh, Gray Zone, I think, is covered covered a lot of this, too, if you look on there. Okay, I'll have to check. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's definitely been covered. It's 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 crazy stuff. It's like, you know, I, just the image. It's just a basic massacre of protesters, yeah. I mean, jumping out of the building and, you know, to get away from the fire and then being beaten to death. And it's just, it's sick. It's really sick. So I'm just going to tell you, there's not going to be any good outcome from this war in reference, like for the, for the Ukrainian people. Like they're getting slaughtered. There's not going to be any good outcome. Like they're turning it into like, Afghanistan. Like, yeah, and not only that, after this is all done, their economy is going to be destroyed. Yeah, they're not. They're not going to have a coastline anymore. They're going to be a, a rump state, and it's going to be Europe's problem. If and you know what's going to happen. It's going to turn into a, a place of just corruption. Oh yeah, and all those weapons want, that they got in there, you know. I want to uh, r- remind you. Here's here's one thing you probably forgot about, uh, Sabrina. Go, let's say, go back to the uh, late '80s, early '90s, and I, I remember this because in Living Color did a skit on this. Remember when Ted Kennedy? got somebody from his family out of a rape charge this is a kennedy who had black hair listen don't get me started with don't get me started with ted kennedy because i got a story no i know i know but but he one of his his someone he got him he got a family member of his out of a rape case or like he was accused of rape or something something. was this in connecticut Oh, I, I forgot. I don't know what state. And, and I just he know got he, himself. He got himself out of a. Mer- I can't remember yeah, yeah. the guy's name. Chappaqua, Chappaquiddick. Mm-hmm. He had black hair. Okay. Yeah, he yeah, had like multiple Kennedy scandals here. Of course, I think the Kennedy oh, yeah, one you're probably I mean, thinking I think of is was the uh, Michael's Ed Kennedy one with the car. But yeah, then the, the Kennedy one I think was like Michael Stakel. Oh wait a minute! Yeah, Skakel, exactly. Skakel, yeah. Michael Skakel. That's, that's a it. different case. That was a an accused murder case. Let's let's bring up the Ted Kennedy thing because I think this is important in reference to primary challenging people. Because let's go back and remember that Ted Kennedy primary challenged Jimmy Carter. Remember that, and that did not go well for Ted Kennedy. But part of the reason it didn't go well was because during an interview, my husband and I were watching this the other night. During an interview, you can find it on YouTube. They asked him why he wanted to be president, and Ted Kennedy could not answer that question. So it was, I think it was a vanity project for him. I really do. Now, granted, my parents told me that people were not happy with Jimmy Carter at the time. Oh, they um, hated Carter. They, 
They, I remember, I remember singing songs about how bad Carter was when I was a kid, and I was like, I was like eight years old. Yeah, they didn't like the way he handled the um, Iran Contra deal. They didn't like how the economy was at that time, and that's why when Reagan ran against him, Reagan was able to win almost every single state in this fucking country. And he's the one who brought in this trickle down economics idea, which does not fucking work. Yeah, right. Did not fucking work. Reagan was the worst. Uh, I mean Carter. I mean Carter. He did. He had a few mistakes, but he didn't. He didn't start any wars or anything like that. And it, and even after he was president, he invented that uh, amazing straw where you can like drink right. out of any puddle and you won't get that sick. Like life straw. I did learn Carter did do something that had to do with some country that Indonesia invaded or something like that. I forgot what it was. Um, but since his 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 uh the Minka Brzezinski's dad worked for worked for Carter and he, they had him run some coup or something and um, had, he had, had a lot to do with, to do with Brzezinski's dad had a lot to do with uh the Afghanistan thing with the Russians he was he was all he was like you know given the the Mujahideen all these weapons so that they could eventually morph into al-Qaeda and then come attack us on 9/11 that too, but there was something that had to do with um, orchestrating some type of coup in Indonesia. Well, actually, no, Indonesia would help some some country that Indonesia invaded. We helped in. I think Carter East something. Carter deregulated the truckers or something like that. He he screwed up trucking. I, I think I think that's why trucking's so bad now is because of Carter, and he screwed up on the Love Canal. But I think he I think he changes stance and he fixed it but i mean he could he could have done a lot worse but yeah that's that's all i wanted to say savvy thanks for uh having me on take it easy thanks rob all right let's bring in Dwayne. Dwayne, what's up you are on the mic just have to unmute and i don't know what happened to poor eric gray Eric, I'm so sorry. She got grayed out. Aww. What's up, Dwayne? Oh, we can't hear you. Try uh, muting and then unmuting again. There you go. And then unmute. Oh, we can't hear you. Let me invite you to speak. Sometimes that fixes the problem. I got to tell Colin, they got to fix this app. Okay, and then just mute yourself again. Sometimes on the computer, like you have to choose the right input device microphone if you're on, if you're on the computer. Dwayne, tell us in the chat, are you on the computer or your cell phone? Because this has happened twice tonight. Because, like, um, Eric Eric couldn't unmute, I don't think. Yeah, though he kind of dropped, too, so. Well. Maybe, maybe Eric Gray got something better to do, if you know what I mean. <laughs> well, if while we wait on Dwayne, let me go ahead and bring in uh, Kirby. Let's see if it works for Kirby. All right, Kirby, go ahead and unmute. 
you are on the mic. I really do think this app is is finicky because everybody seems to be. Yeah, sometimes they do everything right and the app doesn't work. That can happen. Oh, no. You can try refreshing whether you're on the, the cell phone or the browser. That is one thing you can try. Can you hear me? We hey. can hear you now, Dwayne. Oh, Go okay, ahead. great. Excellent. I don't know what it, what I did to make that happen, but I'm glad it worked. <laughs> okay, great. So, hi guys. Uh, hi, Sabby, Eric. Um, I'm I'm so glad I got in, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to say because uh, all this stuff with RFK, it's really I people don't know every single position that he has on every issue, which is understandable at this point. I feel like I know him better than probably a lot of people, and maybe it's a regional thing, but I think it also has a lot to do with. And I'm not over my heels. I've made this point before. I'm not like in the tank for this guy. I'm not out the window for him, whatever analogy you want to use. I'm because I'm not, not like that with any politician, but I do know what he thinks because I used to listen to him on a program called Ring, Ring of Fire Radio oh. with, uh, with uh, another lawyer, another attorney, Mike Papantonio. And so uh, they would go on for, yeah, they would go on for hours where they would talk about like, uh, all kinds of political issues. They talked about the Bush administration, about the military industrial complex, about all of it. So I know what he thinks about these things. And, uh, and he really, you know, he's not, he's not one of these guys who is like going to be a politician and, and, uh, be like a Democratic Party functionary or anything, but anything like that. I think that he's really decided to do this because he wants to live up to some sort of a legacy and he, actually does have the courage of convictions because I know that he's aware and everybody should know this. This person is not a person who's willing, who wants to like, he's enthusiastic about selling out to the democratic party. He, cause he sees what happened to his beloved uncle and father. And I, I think that, but, but, but I, I understand that people don't know what he really, you know, what's really motivating him at this point. How could you know? I mean, we will point out in certain interviews that he has said things like, I, I saw an interview with him where he went into explicit detail about uh, about Ukraine, where he talked to him about the Maidan coup, and he talked about our involvement and everything there, and how we provoked the whole Russian response with the whole uh, situation in Donbass and Victoria Newland. I mean, he went into explicit detail about Victoria Newland, and you, you heard what he said about the neocons. He knows the situation. He's not looking to like uh, carry water for those people. And so I, I think a lot of people don't know that. I understand that they don't know that. I understand the cynicism. I mean, I was one of the people who was like so, you know, enthusiastic about Bernie and we all watched him betray us. That's what he did. I mean, it's not even, um, you know, it's, it's very obvious that he betrayed everybody in the movement. He let us down. He didn't fight when he knew he was being cheated. He prioritized his own position, uh, within the party, uh, ahead of representing the people. I mean, when he came out and he said, well, I made a deal with, with Hillary Clinton. Well, you made a deal with your own supporters. Uh, that should take precedence over some deal you made inside the party. So we all have seen this. We've lived through it. 
it really destroyed that movement. I mean, I, I really think that that movement, you want to know why people ask, well, why isn't the left coming out and doing this? Why isn't the left coming out and doing that? And how come they stand by while Biden does whatever he's doing with, with Assange and, and uh, Merrick Garland and the Uhuru movement? Why isn't anybody coming forward? You know why people aren't coming forward? It's because Bernie took all that energy and he just pissed it off into the wind and so people are like cynical they're like have given up they're like the hell with this this is not gonna work there's no point which i completely understand i feel the same way about the democratic party as everybody else i think it's irredeemable no that's not the reason why see that here's another thing anybody who thinks that rfk jr is running inside the democratic party because he believes in the party needs to think twice this is a completely strategic thing that he is doing he is not loyal to the party that was in power when his uncle and his father were murdered i am telling you this he but knows that's, how, what he, that's what he said during his announcement he said he wants to bring it back to that that's a, well he wants to bring it back because he sees that just how far off the rails it's gone and I, which, you know, I've listened to him talk about this. He knows exactly how Wall Street has captured that party since the Clintons. He knows exactly what they did to the party. And he, see, he saw what Bernie did because Bernie just folded like a cheap suit. I mean, he gave in. He gave up for whatever reason. You could say he was threatened. This is a guy whose father was killed by the CIA and he has admitted it. And if you think that he's told you everything that he knows about it, Think again. He's come out and said certain things. I mean, Savvy, like you were saying before, with this latest speech, he said stuff about Ukraine where you know that he's trying to cater to a certain audience. He's trying to appear more um, a diplomatic because he knows that people are not ready to hear everything that he would probably like to say that I've heard him say in previous interviews about Ukraine. Like I said, Victoria Newland and, and the Maidan coup and 14,000 dead Russians in Donbass because of the coup and the people, the Nazis we installed in, in Ukraine. He's talked about that before, but th just because he doesn't do that in every speech doesn't mean he doesn't think that. And I think he's not letting on everything that he thinks. We know enough. I mean, I know enough from listening to him and, and hearing what he said before to know that this guy is not. He's not one of them. That's why they kind of smear him so badly. That's why they won't even put his name in bold type. I mean, it's but, petty, stupid shit like that that they're trying but to here's use. here's the issue, Dwayne, that for the people who have some understanding of who RFK is prior to this moment, and they know how substantive he is, it, it, in this environment, it furthers the suspicion because I it's like you understand. say, people, under, people understand that he is more substantive than he comes across in some of the well, interviews. Some, some, but no, when well, you start taking do. these positions that seem to be equivocating on yes, positions you've I made understand. clear in the past, it's like, you know, no, half a dozen are, on one hand, six on the other. People are waiting for the other shoe to drop after Bernie Sanders. Exactly. That's completely understandable. I mean, everybody is. Everybody's waiting for him to say, oh, well, you know, I think Bernie, I, I think uh, uh, Biden is the best choice when we're faced with the sit. You know what? I completely understand where people are afraid that they're going to hear that out of him, out of his mouth. I'm telling you, that is 180 degrees removed 
from who he is as I know him as a person. I mean, I don't really, and I'm not saying I know him as a person. I know his political point. I know his political point of view. I know what he stood for before. Do I think he's going to, looking at what Biden is doing, uh, suddenly fall apart at the end like Bernie did and say, well, I think we should uh, all vote for Joe Biden. I'm telling you right now, I'd be shocked. I mean, I'm not saying I know everything. You'd be shocked, but would you be surprised? Because yeah, here's the be, thing. I would be not all, but not only but I would be shocked. I would be absolutely a hundred percent surprised. But here's the, the end thing. of this. We've seen these types of things before. We saw Bernie, of course. Exactly. So Bernie it's like Bernie. How can we really? How can we really say we would be shocked or surprised when we know anything could happen? We don't anything know what the bad happen. deals are. I'm not gonna. I'm granting you that. I mean, that is. Very smart people have have said that. Noel, you I, believe me, I respect your opinion on this a hundred percent because I'm one of those people who bought into what Bernie was selling and what he was eventually what he what he turned out to be was a complete sheepdog. He he backstabbed every one of us. I'm as cynical as everybody else. I will. I'm registered independent. I will never vote for a Democrat. The whole point of what I, but I just see what RFK Jr. is doing. I'm not going to vote for him if he, if he, and I would never listen to him if he told me to vote for Joe Biden <laughs> in a billion years. You'd have to, you know, no, somebody would have to be taking hostages in my family if for me to ever do that. <laughs> but I'm telling you, but I'm telling you, I don't see him doing that. I see what he's doing right now as as a strategic move because he understands he has to gain currency in the public. If he identifies as a Democrat because his relatives were Democrats, and that's where the party was at that time when they were alive, uh, but of course they participated in getting rid of his, of, the, of his family members, and I really think that informs a lot of what he's doing right now. I think it's a completely strategic thing for him, and he's going to demonstrate by trying to run inside the party that the party will not allow him to run inside the party, and it's going to be completely obvious. We've got that that, twice with Bernie, but but see, Bernie did not run as an independent. Bernie knuckled under; he gave up, he folded in a way that I do not see RFK Jr. doing. I just Dwayne, do you think? Are you saying you think that he would do a dirty break? I absolutely think he, I think he's going to give the party as much rope as they're going to need to hang themselves in the eyes of the entire world and the country. And people have, as if it hasn't been made explicitly clear enough to all of us that the party is completely irredeemable. We all know that already. We know they're going to cheat. I think most Americans don't know anything about the court cases, them asserting their right to cheat in the primaries, all of that. Most people don't know any of that. I know. I no, talk to don't. all kinds of people. I talk to people who consider themselves activists who are like, oh, RFK, he's a nut. They buy all this bullshit about him. Oh, he's an anti-vaxxer. That's nonsense. That's bullshit. And they don't know anything about how corrupt the Democratic Party is. They have no clue. That's one of the reasons why they all watch MSNBC and they think Rachel Maddow has ethics or something or is, a, is telling them the truth. And they've bought into all this 
anti-Russia hysteria bullshit and the militarism, and they still believe Russia is hiding under their front porch, and they all like rabidly hate Putin in the way that we were supposed to believe that Saddam Hussein was behind Al Qaeda in with when George Bush was president. And now they all love George Bush because Ellen and Michelle Obama danced with him or something. It's ridiculous what these people believe. RFK Jr. knows that what they believe is ridiculous. He has to demonstrate. He's going to hit them overhead with a sledgehammer, basically. This is what your party has become. They're not going to let me run. Look what they're doing. That It's a completely strategic thing that he's doing right now by trying to is, demonstrate how corrupt the party is. The thing that's so troubling, though, is we've heard this, oh, Bernie is playing chess, not checkers. Yeah, this, that, that was and all third. wishful thinking. And I completely understand that. But what I'm saying is I think the tenor of the country is at a place where they just need a straight shooter. We don't need... Somebody coming in with all this Uber strategy and oh, well, this is strategic. Because here's the thing: here's the thing. You would you would be able to do that type of thing if you had some kind of leverage with the media. We have no free press. The media too. is either going to be in the Fox side with Trump and the Republicans, or they're going to be on the Democrat side with MSNBC, CNN, and what have you. And there is no independent free press. You have to go to the independent media. Not, and what we have come to that. learn is that even in this independent sphere, you have the democratic orbit that's holding a lot of sway with a lot of the bigger independent um, podcasts. So it's yeah. just like if, See, I, if he had some type of inside strategy, how is he going to roll it out to the masses? Because the media is going to vilify him and make yes, him seem like a course. nut. That's part of the game, though. He knows they're going to vilify him and make him seem like a nut because they've been doing it for years over his stance on vaccines. And they've doubled down on it during COVID. He wants he knows they're going to do that. That's part of the strategy of see the only way he's going to be able to do like a clean break with the Democratic Party and run as an independent is if he has demonstrated to the people in the country that this party does not want democracy. They want to pick somebody in a back room, the proverbial smoke-filled room. He's got to demonstrate that that to the American people who don't know that yet. Most people think this is still a democratic process. I mean, they're not as savvy as the people who are in this chat room right now who are, who are listening to this broadcast. But here's we the are problem. They will have already convinced so many Americans that he is a nutcase. So their people there. are not going to hear if he comes out with any type of strategy to say, oh, they won't let me run this and that. People are not going to see him as a credible player anyway, and they're not going to care we because they're going to say, see, oh, he was a thing. nutcase anyway. Look, the only way, see, that's that's the thing you're right about that, about him being framed as a complete nut job in the mainstream corporate media. Of course, he's aware that they're going to do that. They've been doing that to him, like I said, again, for years and years. But this is what gives him a platform at the outset. He he needs a platform, even if it's this petty little, you know, rickety platform that he's on right now, because... Look, that is part of the reason why he's doing what he's doing. He knows they're going to marginalize him. That's not a that's not 
He's they, he's been he talked about having been marginalized for years. He knows that's going to continue. He's running, trying to run as a Democrat to to get just the amount of publicity he's going to need for people to turn their heads and maybe think about it and say, look, why are they not letting this person have a voice? Why isn't his name in bold print? Why won't they include him uh, in a debate with Marianne Williamson, if not uh, Biden, who they're protecting because they know that he's not able to form a coherent thought? People, he's got to get people to ask that question. Right now, he's on the outside looking in. He's nowhere. He's trying to get a foot in the door so that he can parlay that into something else. I'm not saying this because I think this is, you know, I'm not saying, I don't have, look, <laughs> I have no illusions about this. I'm just telling you that this is what I see him doing I because think, I'm certain that that is what he's doing. I'm certain that he, seems- he knows they're never going to let him run. Anybody who, look, we all know they're never going to let him run. He knows that too. He doesn't have a snowball's chance in hell of ever winning the Democratic Party nomination. If we know that, you think he doesn't know that? Look, he's making jokes in a speech about how they're pulling the fire alarm because they hate him so much. Does he really, um, do you really think that he believes they're going to let him win the nomination? No, he doesn't think that for a second. I mean, he knows how much the establishment is against him. That's not the point. The point is to get just enough leverage, just enough of a chance to put his foot in the door to make people aware that this is a guy, and so he's going to get his message out there, this is a guy who wants to do something for the American people, and the Democratic Party, for whatever reason, refuses to even let this guy have a chance to win the nomination. He wants to present that picture to everybody in the world everybody in the country, and then see what we do with it afterward. It's on us. It's on us to do something with that afterward. We've got to say, do you see what they did to RFK Jr.? He said this, this, and this. Why can't they stand to have him present that to the Democratic Party and to the people of the country? Why can't he? Why isn't he allowed to stand for economic justice? Why isn't he allowed to stand for uh, diplomacy over war? Why isn't he allowed to support civil liberties and environmental protections? Why is the Democratic Party trying to smear and marginalize and exclude this person from being a nominee? He's doing Doing that purposefully because he wants to present that to the American people. He wants that picture to be out there for people. I'm telling you, not for a one hot nanosecond. The question is, they're going to let him. The question is, Dwayne, get that to the people. How he has no doing what he's doing. He has no access to the major media. The the best way he can get any access at all. He knows that he was out there on the call. He made, just made a comment about it. He said they've been marginalizing me for years around, around COVID, around vaccines. He knows their game. That's not the point. The point is, that's why he's running. The whole reason why he's saying, I'm running as a Democrat. I get the fact that he's running, the but the question accentuate. I'm asking you is, how does he do that? He does it by trying to run publicly as a Democrat, given his family history. But they're giving him no airtime. They're still marginalizing him. At the, in but the what end I'm of, saying to you is at some point. Analysis, but but, the but here's analysis, the thing. But wait a minute. Let me, let me say something. Let me say something. We've seen 
Bernie Sanders get little airtime, but he was still able to build to some stadiums. type of momentum. Yes, he, he did. You know why? But, but, but you, as you no, said, Dwayne, let me finish. Example. Let me finish. Let me finish. Go ahead. Go ahead. He, even Bernie Sanders was able to build some momentum. He translated in, into this movement thing that went nowhere. And as you suggested, the people who were supportive of Bernie, who now see Bernie for the betrayer that he was, yes. they're not going to just jump on board to the next, you know, person who sounds like they're about Nor something. Would I expect and in to. order to, in order to get a broad message to the people, whether you try and run or not, Marianne is trying to run, but if you don't get some type of communication consistent to the How masses, they're it? going to be successful in painting you as a nutcase of who course. your family doesn't even support. No. So let me just, let me, How let me, did, how did Bernie in. do it? Let me jump in, Dwayne, let me, let me jump in and answer that question. Mm -hmm. When you ask, how did Bernie do it? Bernie mm -hmm. did it through independent media. Yes. Every single independent media left, excuse me, left independent media yeah. uh, show got on board for Bernie Sanders twice in a row for the most part. Now, some people pivoted towards Tulsi uh, in 2020, but for the most part, most people, but this is the thing. We don't have that anymore. We don't have that anymore amongst left independent media. Everybody is not on board for the same candidate and everyone's not even on board to do this strategy anymore. So that's a big part of the problem. Some channels have hopped on board for Marianne Williamson. Some channels are against it. TYT doesn't even really support Marianne Williamson's run. They're not even no really feeling her like that. Majority no, report, not, Sam not, Cedar, yeah, Sam Cedar uh, said- Not a serious candidate. Sam, Sam Cedar said he don't support Marianne Williamson run. So it's like, this is the difference before all those people were on board for Bernie Sanders. And yeah, we don't have where, anymore. This is that where we why, come in though, Savvy. You're doing, right, you're doing but, the right thing with what you, with your platform. And a lot right, of people but, are to the extent. Right, but, but the way yeah. it works, and I, I want to, you know, explain this to everybody. Mm -hmm. The reason why Bernie was able to gain the traction that he gained Partially was because of the coverage from left independent media, everybody being on the same page. Well, no, that's, then, it was never like that, though. I'm saying that it was never the, really like that. You, what he did was he came out and he they showed MSNBC showed a platform, Trump's platform for an hour and a half. They weren't they weren't right. they weren't about to show uh, Bernie Sanders. And I know right, that right now heard, you have two things that are, I understand. I'm acknowledging your point, Savvy. I mean, I really am. Uh, we're splintered now in a way that we may not have been before, but we were nascent then. We were not as sophisticated then as we are now. We And we are dealing with other things too. Like you said, I mean, they're using the whole Russia thing to crack down and to censor every chance they get. They've got control of social media. I mean, you've got all these different platforms where they're actively censoring us on top of everything else, actively undermining any attempt for us to use these platforms to organize in a way that we were able to use them before to organize. But I'm telling you that we've got more power than that. And they don't have complete control of us through these platforms. There's lots of different ways that we can build a movement behind RFK Jr. And what's going to happen 
like just like with Bernie, he's going to be traveling around making speeches, and people are going to respond to what he's saying. He's going to build grassroots support enough so that it's going to be able to undermine the moral authority of the Democratic Party sufficiently so that people are going to begin to question. I have faith in that, and I think he does too. We, we, they don't have complete control yet. I mean, we're not as we're not in the place that we were in before. It's a different time, and, and we are splintered. And a lot of it has to do with what Bernie did when he when he when he uh, caved in, when he when he sacrificed his movement and made his own you know cynical political calculation that he could do more good within the party, which is crazy. He's not doing anything right. But now. what I want, we're, we're much worse off. What I want to say but I really is believe that we can do that. We don't have a collective group in left independent media. I wouldn't expect us to at this point, though. He just started to run. But we're not going to have it. And the reason why we're not going to have it is because a large segment of the left independent media that have the large platforms are against any type of rhetoric that criticizes the mandates or the vaccines. And that is a big one. Yeah, people can find lots of different individual policies that they might not like about him. But we on the left didn't like everything about Bernie's platform either. How long did it take for him to say any tepid criticism of Israel? But there's a difference between... I think there's a difference between not liking a candidate, everything about a candidate, and smearing that candidate. Well, yeah, they smeared Bernie too, though. But let me get... No! The left independent media platforms were not smearing Bernie Sanders. So this is what I want to be very clear about. Right now, if you go on Twitter, you have Jordan Sheraton is smearing mm-hmm. RFK Jr. Is he? What did right? he say about him? He called him anti-vax. Mm. Yeah, this is what I'm trying to tell you. Is like, So breaking points, I think they mentioned it briefly. They didn't even, like Crystal didn't even really acknowledge the difference between the two candidates she was just basically like this shows that people want someone other than biden and just a couple months ago they was praising joe biden on breaking points so this is the thing this is what i'm saying is that that same type of cohesiveness that was in left independent media does not exist anymore and without that we're still here it is going to be very difficult to repeat something that like what bernie did because the people who have the larger platforms, the largest platforms, do not support RFK Jr. because of his position on the mandates and the vax. They have all decided to get on board behind Marianne Williamson, and that's what they're sticking with. And that's, that's Marianne Williamson is already losing traction. And you know right, what? But it, even if even though she loses traction, you have to. And understand who's ahead of her now? This, Savvy, who's, who's listen, listen to what I'm saying. I'm trying to tell RFK. you as someone, but Dwayne, I'm trying to tell you as someone who works in this space. Mm-hmm. These people are her friends. They're friends with Marianne. This is very different. It's not like they just met Marianne one day and Marianne was like, hey, I'm thinking about running. They're like, yeah, let's go. No, they're all friends. These people all live like in the same, you know, vicinity. They're in that DC like area for the most part. They yeah, are they're all ridiculing her. her, though. She's what? being ridiculed all over the place. They are not She's ridiculing her. They are her friends. Well, you know, we're talking about a small segment of the alternative. 
They're not uh, a small uh, segment when they have the largest platforms. Who has when the largest? Points okay. have, who let, in let the me mainstream finish. media? Who in the Dwayne, mainstream media is supporting Marianne Williamson's candidacy? Dwayne, who? you have to let me finish. First of all, this is not about mainstream media. We already know mainstream media is not going to support those people, just like they didn't support Bernie Sanders. But when you have a breaking points that has almost one million subs. When you have a secular talk that has a million subs, when you have Katie Halper show that, let me finish, let me finish, Dwayne, Dwayne, if you don't let me finish what I'm saying, I'm going to mute you. You have a Katie Halper show that has almost a hundred thousand subs. You have bad faith that has almost a hundred thousand subs. These are all the people that are on board for Marianne Williamson's campaign and they have the larger platforms. The only other person... Let me finish. The only other person who has the larger platform than them, who is not on board with it, is Jimmy Dore. That's it. No, that's not the only person who's not on, on board with Marianne Williamson. You're what not. A, RBN isn't. I don't have. I said Dwayne. Dwayne. I think you're missing a key piece. What key piece I am said, I missing? I said large platform. We don't have okay, large I'll, I'll platforms. That. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Kyle Kalinske has a huge platform. Yes, nobody and he's on board for Marianne. And he's heavily promoting Marianne. Him. And nobody listens to him. He's got a large Dwayne, that is not true. Dwayne, that's oh, false. Go look no. at the numbers, Dwayne. He has lots of subscribers who no longer listen to him. Yes, that, that is the case for, for a lot of people. But he's still getting more listeners than someone like me RBN, someone like Do Dissidents, someone like Hardlands Media, someone like Convo Couch. If you look at the views on the video, those people are still getting their message across to more people. That's so the problem. You build it up. It's and not the, that simple, Dwayne. Well, this you is how Bernie built it up. up. No, 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 no. Bernie Sanders, first of all, Bernie Sanders is not in left independent media like this. You have to understand that these people started their platforms before the algorithm changed. So that's why they're able to have a large of a platform. Jimmy Dore talked about this before on my show. He made this very clear. It was a lot easier to grow to hundreds and thousands of subscribers back then because mm-hmm. YouTube was not suppressing independent media when those people started. That's true. If you look at something like Breaking Points, they came from Rising, so they took that Rising audience with them mm-hmm. when they started Breaking Points, so that's why they were able to start out as strong and as big and as, as they were. I acknowledge but for, that. But for people like us, like RBN, mm-hmm. Hardlands Media, People like, and some people are losing subs. So like people like, you know, do dissidents. And I I, I study the analytics quite frequently. And I can tell you, even with do dissidents, and I'm going to tell them this shit on Sunday when I go on there, the fact that they're getting the views, the view count that they're getting does does not match their sub count at all. So something is going on with the algorithm because if they're getting like 4,000 views for live stream, but right now, their sub count should be at least, at least mathematically, at least twelve thousand. Yeah. yeah, Sabrina. But, but but for the algorithm, absolutely. No, I'm acknowledging all that, Savvy. Everything you're saying is correct, hundred percent. I'm just saying we're at the very beginning of this. 
we're all very cynical because of what happened to us with Bernie. I'm acknowledging all of that. I'm just saying that this is the whole reason why he's trying to run inside the party right now. And I think he's building something. We're at the very beginning of this. I remember the way it was with the very beginning with Bernie. Now I know, like you said, it's different now. The algorithm is different. But you know what? We're going to keep on growing from this point. The, the We're Bernie not going to grow. I am not going to grow fast enough to spread a message to 200, 300,000 people by the time this election happens. That's the problem. Savvy, I think you'll be surprised how quickly things take off because this guy is going to be out there with the right message. He's going to get, he's going to be either getting more airtime or he's going to be able to present to people, look at what your party just did. This is what I'm running on. Why won't they accept this? It's going to get bigger than it is now. It's going to happen. It's happening now. Bernie said, I remember when Bernie Sanders started out, you know, where I first heard about Bernie Sanders, I first heard about him on the Tom Hartman show. Nobody knew who this guy was. He was a congressman, like a lowly congressman from Vermont. He ended up running for Senate. Yeah, that's right. He ended up running for Senate radio show too. That came. That's right. A hundred percent. Absolutely. That's where and he started to gain traction. Tom Hartman and Tom Hartman had brunch with Bernie on Friday. Thank you. Brunch with Bernie. I used to listen to that show every day. I mean, every Friday. Oh, yes. That's where that began. I saw how small that was. And I saw where that went. The algorithm. Yes. I, I'm acknowledging all of that. I'm saying that. RFK Jr. is prepared to do what Bernie did, is to get out and travel the country giving speeches. They didn't publicize Bernie's speeches. That's not how he got to where he was. Hey, he didn't get there through social media. He got there by going to red states, which is what the Democrats say never to do because they're morons. And he filled stadiums full of Republicans and independent voters by talking the same stuff that RFK is is talking right now. That's what resonates with people. And that's where it begins. Now, all we got to do, okay, and I love what you're doing. What you're doing, I am, I'm here. Because, I mean, look, I, I trained in the AFL-CIO Organizing Institute as an organizer. I've been steeped in politics my whole life. It's like my parents, they always, they're psychologists. They were, they taught me to to be a type of social conscious and to care about. That's why I know about COINTELPRO and all the other stuff, which I still need to get into with the Ohuru thing, because I got to tell you something about that, 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 that is important. When we get to the other topics I thought I wanted to talk to you about. But I, look, when you start a journey of, of, of a thousand miles, you begin with one step. And I saw where Bernie came from because I was on the ground floor of that phenomenon. I know people are cynical. I am just as cynical as everybody else. I, 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 but I am not defeatist. Not Wait. yet. And I know that we're going to be able to build this because that guy means what he's doing. It's going to go somewhere. It's not going to just think, die on the line. I if we, think, if we wait, let, one if second. let it go somewhere. One second, uh, Roger, because Kirby's been waiting. Kirby, can you please unmute? I know you've been waiting for a minute. Um. And everybody else can be cynical and say nasty shit about me in the comments. That's fine. Keep it up. I know that's just cynicism. 
I was on the ground floor with Bernie before anybody knew who he was. And I saw where that went. When RFK gets out there and starts talking and giving speeches around the country, you'll be surprised where this goes. Don't quit now. Well, all I'm just saying, my whole thing is, is this, like I said before, I reached out to his press team. I will interview him. I'll give him, you know, interview him just like I interviewed Marianne, but I'm also going to tell him you need to run as independent. I'm also going to explain to him the problem with the Democratic Party and like the fact that Dennis Kucinich, but the fact that Dennis Kucinich is a part of this. So Dennis Kucinich um, spoke before him. Dennis Kucinich was ousted by his own fucking party. So he knows this. Yes. So like, what 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 is happening here? That's why he's doing it though. Do you think? See, look, he could. You know, I understand why Cynthia McKinney left the left the country. I saw that all happen, too, from the very beginning. I saw what they did to uh, Dennis Kucinich, gerrymandering his district out of existence. But he's still here, and he's doing this now because it's a worthwhile fight. And I think we have to fight. So I don't know. I don't know what happened to Kirby, so I'm just going to invite him to speak. But We have to fight, Savvy. We have to fight. This is the way to do it. Go ahead, Roger, and then I'll go to Bad Cookies. So, Dwayne, are you trying to recruit us to be I'm not, uh, no, 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 because you know what? I'm not on board. I'm not trying this to recruit anybody. Like trying to we got to do this and we got to do that. It's about hope. It's about hope. It's about okay. fighting the system. It's not about okay. recruiting anybody for anything. I'm not okay. working for RFK Jr. Okay, all right, chill. I was just joking. Um, here's the thing. And this goes back to what... Uh, I'm not joking. See the chat room? Uh, nah, People are I'm cynical driving. and they're defeatist listen, and they want to give up Dwayne, and they want to find an excuse Dwayne, to give up. Dwayne, 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 I'm driving. I'm not looking at the chat. Yeah. Okay, good. You wouldn't like okay. it. Okay, so listen, listen. Going back to something Noel said about an hour ago, right? About needing someone to believe in, right? I think what we need to do reported ahead. is stop putting beliefs and politicians and make people believe in themselves and start because because whatever whatever the uh, whoever the president is they have the least amount of effect on your everyday daily life but they do have an effect let let me finish it's more important who it's more important who your governor is than who your president is yeah oh of course but most importantly we should not be getting so caught up again going through this cycle of of the presidential election and and neglecting what we could get done ourselves yep, on the that's ground what I'm talking about. if 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 you live in a ballot initiative state that's what you should be pushing you should be pushing if you, if, if it's the policies that you want start pushing those citizen ballot ballot initiatives because that's going to have the most direct impact on your life, okay? Mm-hmm. Whether, whether, it's, whether it's at the state level or at the city level. Like, you know, New York State's not a citizen ballot initiative state, but New York City and Suffolk County out in Long Island are, are ballot initiative municipalities. You see what I'm saying? Like, we sh- I don't think, I think that we shouldn't put, I think above everything, it should be the citizen ballot initiatives that's above all of it yeah that's why i love when savvy does the citizen ballot initiatives that's good i mean we have to act locally and think globally that's true but we can do both we can let me let me bring in bad cookies um because i know 
Bad Cookies have been waiting a second. So Bad Cookies, just go ahead and unmute. Hey, Sabi, how are you doing tonight? Can you hear me? I can hear you. What's up? Excellent. Um, I think there's some miscommunication going on here. Either that or it's just blatant not listening. But what you're telling Blaine is actually very accurate. It's just that it's not sinking in. Dwayne, she keeps telling you the same thing over and over, and you're just not listening. The way the machine is set up, the way BreadTube is set up, even if Sabby, Do Dissonance, Jimmy, if all of them got together and supported RFK, believe it or not, the TYT network still has enough people to where they'll... That's not the point. I am listening. That's not the, how we got to where we were with But so That's my let, point, and that's what I'm one telling One second, you. real quick. Let's let, um, yes, let's let everyone like finish their statement and then respond. Thank you, Sabi. Um, I'll make this quick then, because uh, all I really want to say is that RFK is a good candidate. He is actually... Like Savvy had said before, he is someone that can actually reach across the aisle and even get Republicans voting for him. But, Dwayne, there's something you severely un underestimate, and that is the power of the propaganda machine when it comes after people like RFK. All they will need to do is say one thing. He is an anti-vaxxer. He is a COVID denier. And that's all they need to ever say. You seem to think that, oh, he'll come out and wake everybody up to this corruption. That's not the deal, Dwayne. If he if he can't, if people before couldn't do it, what makes you think he will, man? It's not. Bernie did it. Bernie did not do it. Bernie what, didn't Bernie do it. Uh, that's all I have to say. Uh, back to you. Well, sir. Bernie was not. Bernie was pre-COVID, so he wasn't anti-vax, and Bernie uh -huh. wasn't anti-war either. And Bernie didn't call out mainstream media, even though they heavily criticized him. He wasn't even willing to do that. So I think yeah. th that's the thing. Bernie didn't call out the CIA. Bernie didn't call out the FBI. Like, these are some of the things that RFK Jr. is doing, and Bernie Sanders was not willing to go that far. Do you think that helps RFK? Do you think that hurts him with the public? It depends. It depends what what public voters are you referring to? And I ask this question because, well, honestly, based on his rhetoric, he would actually this is why I say he would be better off running as an independent because I do think that, he, too. He's he's getting people from different political sides of the aisle. Right. Like he's getting yes. people. I told you Republicans emailed me and said they will switch Independents to too. Yeah. independence. Yes. Um. But the blue dog Democrats are not going to vote for him. And yeah, that's who cares? Just the they're marginal. They're, they're not even important anymore. Right. But they're he's running through group. that. But he's running through that party. That's true. And so See, to I that think he's got I just want to say that I think Tabby, he's got he's he's he has the advantage running as an anti war and anti national security state surveillance apparatus anti police state guy. That's what he is representing. And I think that doesn't hurt him. I think we were, I think even though we liked Bernie's economic message, we were waiting for him to say anything on those topics, especially with Bush in, in the White House, for a long time. And he disappointed us. And he still built the grassroots movement. You could, and yes, social media being relatively new and not being under the complete control of the surveillance apparatus and, and the state. Uh, definitely played into that. That was an advantage for Bernie. But I think that he really built his movement with grassroots 
uh, support, I think RFK, all I'm saying is that I think RFK can do the same thing and we have to not give up at this point, even though we've experienced a huge disappointment with Sanders and he, he definitely betrayed all of us. I'm saying that we can't give in to cynicism. We can't be defeatist. I actually like RFK Jr.'s message more than I ever liked Bernie's. Cause I, well, but this is probably more because I know, having listened to him on Ring of Fire, what he thinks about the economic. But issue. let me say this. It is not as much about RFK and or his messaging as it is about a system and a machine that is not amenable to letting him through. The reason Bernie Sanders was able to do what he did is because Bernie Sanders had some type of understanding agreement with the Democratic Party, especially that second time when he ran. They knew they were going to be able to depend on him to be the good shepherd and and endorse the their candidate who they had pre-selected. And so he was given a certain leeway. He built it out of the momentum, out of people's angst in this country. But mm-hmm. again, to your point, when he let them down, yes. you know, there's the voter turnout in these elections the voter turnout for president was high the last cycle because they pandered fear to the high heavens and it came down to joe biden against trump and all the stuff that had gone on before that mm-hmm. if if rfk does not come to this forum with the same zero understanding of who he is as bernie sanders did RFK has a reputation that precedes him. It is Mm -hmm. good in some circles, but it is bad in other circles. But the major thing is, if you don't have access to the major media and you don't have a significant slice of independent media, then the question that I am simply asking is, how do you reach all these Americans, especially the ones who tend to vote, who listen to Fox, MSNBC, and CNN, and this and that. Those are the crowds who can be reliable voters. And so if he can't reach those people on Uh a consistent basis, then no matter what his message is, he's going to be bootstrapped. That's true. Here's the way that that happens. And because I saw it happen with uh, Sanders. I know you, you were saying about him making a deal. That's absolutely true. He made that deal later on because he trusted the party to honor their end of it, which, of course, they did not do. No, he made that deal um, at the very beginning. And Jesse he Ventura, knew he couldn't trust Jesse that Ventura, party. Let, let, me, let me finish for a second. Jesse Ventura told me on my show he mm-hmm. approached Bernie Sanders right when he announced he was going to run in, uh, against Hillary Clinton for 2016. And he asked Bernie, if you lose, will you help me with the third party movement? And Bernie Sanders said, said, no, no I will support beginning. Hillary. Right. But they already have to pledge in the beginning when they sign, when they agree to run, if they will support the Democratic Party nominee. I know about so that. that's the thing. So the thing is, the thing is though, that was Sabby, already arranged. Do you really think that he's going to honor a deal with the Democratic Party if they tell him, yeah, we'll support you. You've got to do such and such. If yes. they don't hold up, if they don't hold up yes. their end, 
Yes. Why do you think? That, see, that's what I don't think. I don't because believe of what he, because he of what would. he said because of what he said on Jimmy Dore's show. On Jimmy Dore's show, he yeah, said he that he would that? not he would not leave the Democratic Party because the Democratic Party is a family to him, and that's mm-hmm. like leaving your. Mm-hmm. Well, you see, that's the whole thing, though. I don't really believe that if the Democratic Party betrays him openly, that he's going to honor a commitment to a family that's betrayed him. I don't believe that he will do that. Because his real family... him now to continuously have all of these outlets saying, oh, the anti-vex candidate, the anti-vex... That is a betrayal from the get-go. Of course. So my thing is, you say... Has he made with them yet though do you think if they openly betray him he will support any agreement that he's made they're betraying him now i know so the the issue is that's what he wants to show people you know and here's the thing here's the thing the man is running we understand it i wish him the best i don't believe in the system i don't believe in the democrats they have too much control over the media outlets. And so I am not trying to get into this man's head about, oh, what his super strategy is, because frankly, I've been there, done that, and I'll just be the one who sits and wait and see. I'm not saying his strategy is going to work. I'm just saying that I believe that that's what he thinks it's, it's going to That's what he's trying to do. Okay, if they well, force him, if they force him at the end by cheating, to run as a third party candidate, I do believe that he would run as a third party candidate, regardless of what he said about the Democratic Party being his family. He's got to present that initially. That's got well, to we be. Don't what know. He's the thing is, we don't know what people are thinking. We know what they no, said. No, we don't. Exactly. And that's, that's what he said on Jimmy Dore's show. And I, well, he said that he believes the Democratic Party is a family. Absolutely. He's got to do that at the beginning. I, compl- I see, I don't see our, this is the whole thing. It comes back to this with me. I knowing him and what he's gone through, I don't see him doing the same thing that Bernie did ultimately if they force him out by cheating on him. And yes, of course, they're, they're already they're already betraying him. That's a given. They're sabotaging him right now. They're being he, he's aware of that. But that's the whole thing. I think that's the whole reason why he is trying to run inside the party to begin with. I'm not saying that that's right. I'm not saying that that's even smart. I'm not saying it's not a complete and total mistake. But I know why he's doing let it. Me, let me because he wants to demonstrate that. Let me bring I'm just Frank, saying that, Tabby. Because because Frank's been waiting. What's up, Frank? Hi, Sabby. Um. I, I was actually just uh, uh, calling in about the Yuhuru um, arrest, and it seemed rather odd from uh, why the DOJ was actually publishing that on twi- Twitter um, and what they would get out of it. And, you know, and, and is this just, uh, you know, an extension of Russiagate that they seem to be uh, losing that that uh, Russiagate war so that they had to push the, push it again with Arrest saying, see, it's Russia again. I don't, I don't, you know, I mean, they could, I mean, it's, it's one thing to arrest them, which was, of course, wrong. Um, but why, why did they, what, why did they publish that on Twitter? And I read that their, um, their arrest uh, report or what they were put on Twitter. And I went, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> this, this, this was they, they put it on Twitter to scare as many people as possible because Twitter has millions yeah. of users. Yep. 
Yep, and and uh, yeah, I, and I I do know of people that be that are in jail here in uh, actually in the county that's to, to the west of here, Jefferson County, um, uh, just for political speech too, and uh, saying it was a threat. You know, and if a friend of mine is in jail. Uh, she's been there for five months now, and uh, well, four months, but uh, and. It's uh, it, it was because she sent, I don't know if it was a fire emoji or it was um, a pic of a f picture of a fire that she sent to an email. And w w what happened was that um, uh, so the DA put charges on her for threatening all of the city council members and the in the non Democrat uh, city council members all said, this isn't a threat and all this all the ones that are democrats that are bribed um are all going along with it saying it was a threat you know like they're making up stuff just to stifle people's speech yeah yeah and I'm, and i'm and i'm wondering um if it'd be a interest to view of, uh, of me writing up a story on um, on, on the fact that uh, Colorado's Department of Regulatory Agencies um, does pay each of the corporate media um, and it's not much but because but all the meat all the money actually goes to um, the headquarters of all the corporate media in New York LA and Washington DC so I just wonder if you'd be interested in you know Sending it, sending a, doing a write up of that. Sure, that would sure, be great. that would be great. Go ahead, Roger. Yeah, Frank. Uh, uh, hey, 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 Frank. What's up? I'm hearing myself echo. Um, what do you call it? Oh, Earl told me you got in contact with him. Yes, we had a pretty we had a we had a good long conversation. Yeah, I, I haven't. I need to follow up with him. He said he's going to send me a an email of the. Um, of of their plan, um, what they've done so far, but um, I, I haven't seen it, so I need to follow up with them on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, Sabrina, I was talking about pushing uh, the Colorado Public Bank as an initiative for an amendment, like what uh, Earl did last time. So I, I put I put both of them to, together, Earl and Frank. Awesome! 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 I got in contact, got in contact with, contact with, uh, with uh, Joe also, Joe, the uh, North Dakota guy with his sister. His sister. Contacted oh, me too. Okay, cool. So they, oh, they, should, be, so they, should, be they should be. They should be. I keep getting the echo. I keep. Yeah, you myself. have to mute if you're not talking, Roger. Because I think it's yeah. Uh oh, you disappeared. Oh. I don't know what happened there. Yeah. But um, yeah, they contacted me too. And so I think they'll be coming on in May to talk about that. But um, anything else, Frank? Um, I've also I've also been doing a records request on um, uh, the the lack of regulation on paramedics. Um, if a paramedic if if someone is dead because of a paramedic's actions, I have. I have now found I've done about 30 rec different records requests and even people that were killed on the in ketamine, they don't bother investigating anything. I, I ask for the 
for the records of all the investigations that um, that they used to come to their conclusion. And they keep saying, we don't, we don't have to give you those. Like the law says they do. <laughs> and they quote the law and they still do do it. So that's, that's how bad it is. And, 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 um, and they, they also don't keep any records of if, if a person dies in an ambulance, um, they don't keep records of that. They, they attribute it to the hospital, but, and then the hospital will report that a person is dead. But, um, but if, uh, but you still don't, you know, but then you ask for the records from CDPHE of how this person died and then they, they just give it regional information. So you don't even know what hospital is Interesting. So trying to hide stuff. So they're not, if they're, if they're hiding deaths, but you know, that involved in paramedics, I mean, they're just not regulating anything. <laughs> yeah. That sounds, yeah, that about, sounds right. about right. Yeah, it is right. I mean, it's really, really bad. <laughs> Frank, you need to start your start paper. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Colorado Daily. I, I do have my a Colorado People's News. I do have a website, and I've and I've started up a, a Substack that I'm calling uh, Deregulation Station. So, um, oh, I'm hoping yeah, that, I, can... I think will come naturally to you. I hope so, but uh, I also have about four lawsuits I need to write, including my state rep that's blocking me because I keep pulling her out because she violates law. Oh, boy. <laughs> so she violated the law to violate law. <laughs> See, you can, you can hold uh, David Corona accountable in uh, Colorado also. Who? Who accountable? David Sirota. Isn't oh. he? <laughs> In fact, it's in in that in the story that I just uh, talked about. Um, it's actually in statute to for the Department of Regulatory Agencies to uh, give the money from the corporate fees that they or corporate fines that they collect. So, all, so when a corporation does wrong, it it actually goes to to a good cause for them. It goes to the to hush the media. <laughs> and guess who wrote the bill for that? <laughs> it's a yearly oh. bill and it, it, it's in the um comes from the joint budget committee and guess who's on the joint budget committee his and, wife <laughs> and when when i asked emily but when she was originally running for for office um uh back in i think 2019 2018 um she told me yeah we know that goes on <laughs> Will you hear anything from David Sirota? Nope. <laughs> That's his wife's name. What? Is, 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 is his wife's name Emily? Yes. Yes. Mm. Yep. What's the mm, Roger? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> mm is you know exactly what that mm is. Yeah. It's like when you it's like when you black women go mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody black know what men do that too. Whenever you, hear, whenever you hear black women go, mm-hmm, you know it's you like, know it's like okay. yeah. And I've I've also noticed that uh, since since Emily got into office, David hasn't written any records requests to at least the attorney general, which he re used to regularly do. Because I asked for all the 
records request that David Sirota did. And um, they came back with a bunch of them pre pre 2018. But um, he he did write a story in his lever um, and December 28th. Um, uh, he, he wrote a story about how that Colorado Attorney General Phil Weiser wrote a letter to uh, Pete Buttigieg chastising him about how bad a job he's doing of not regulating um, the airlines. And like, how did David Sirota get that when, when you know, and I, I get, you know, responses from the Attorney General of a two-page uh, waiver, the, the waiver that led to the death of uh, the murder of Elijah McClain was $4,920 to me, but David Sirota is mysteriously getting records from uh, 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 Attorney General, um, you know, it, in very timely fashion too. It's like, something's wrong. Hmm. <laughs> I, he's blocking me on Twitter now for calling him out as a, um, as as calling him out as the uh, Phil Phil Weiser, the Attorney General of Colorado's uh, stenographer. <laughs> he blocked me, and I never even said anything to him. <laughs> Tells you everything about Sirota. Jesus. Yeah, but you were thinking it. Yeah. Huh? You were thinking it. Think- I was. <laughs> <laughs> I was. Sirota I was. This an episode uh... of the Twilight Zone or something? Like you're entering the fifth dimension. Like I was yeah. like, this motherfucker just blocked me out of nowhere. Sirota's yeah. better than everybody else. He doesn't have to take advice from the hoi polloi. The great unwashed masses. He knows. Yeah, and, he knows more than all of us combined. And his his wife uh, em, Emily is also she's also chair of the appropriations committee this year and last year she was go. vice chair of the public health committee, um, <laughs> and she's not doing her legislative review that I have put plastered on her Twitter page. Um, I've. I've <laughs> I just copied and pasted the law into like 20, 20 different tweets or 10 different tweets in a row. <laughs> so she, <laughs> and so she, <laughs> and why isn't David, you know, saying, Hey, this is corruption. Your, your own wife is violating law and you're not writing about it. <laughs> oh, well, no. well, you know, you know what they say though? Happy wife, happy life. Yeah, and she just did the the nursing home administrative uh, sunset review, which is the legislative review for nursing home administrators. They do each of those professions every about ten years. Actually, nursing home administrators they do every five years. Um, and her here, the hearing that she ran lasted forty five seconds. <laughs> she had twenty questions to ask and answer, and she didn't. She did it all in 45. No, she didn't. They just took a roll call vote and voted for the bill. And that was it. (laughs) Oh, God. I made a mistake and looked at the comments. Bad Cookie said, I tried to keep my wife happy, but what made her happy was other men. (laughs) Sarcasm. Oh, well. Abby, that's a chat. That's a chat. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) some people like those sorts of relationships I don't know 
don't have to agree with that. Consenting adults. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, I need to do some records requests on Emily Sirota uh, not following her uh, those uh, regulatory oversight duties, and I, th I think you at you at RBN would love would love to see those. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll get on those. <laughs> Savvy. Savvy. One thing, because I told you before, I, I really wanted to speak on just briefly, because I know I've used up all my time. Uh, the whole Uhuru thing, that really uh, bothers me that some of these people who call themselves progressive, who try to pretend that they're on the left, don't come out four square in support of civil liberties. And knowing what we know about COINTELPRO and about what happened with that? How do people still tolerate the 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 obvious erosion of the of the not just I mean well, we're talking about the whole Bill of Rights, but the First Amendment, the Fourth Amendment. I mean, where where's the ACLU? How could anybody who claims to be progressive tolerate this? I just don't understand. It's like we're watching history repeat itself. And, and and if look when they when they went after Alex Jones, people were like, "Oh yeah, it's just Alex Jones, so who cares?" Right? Um, we saw what happened after that. Now they're censoring all of social media. Uh, all these progressive sites wiped off of Facebook. Constant, you know, surveillance and censorship. And so we're going to just let them just the Department of Justice just go ahead and go after people and try to literally put them in jail around free speech and, and nobody's saying anything. I don't understand that. I, this this has me in a state of complete and total amount of despair. Well, I mean, I feel the same way. It's really disappointing, honestly, not to see more people in left independent media talk about it, but going back to when their, um, a Hoover house was raided in Florida last year. There weren't that many people on the left that talked about it, about that either. And yeah. it's just, you know, when we make these statements that like, sometimes those of us who are black leftists, we feel like we're just a fucking afterthought to you. This is what yeah. I'm fucking talking about. Well, this is, well, come on, Joe Biden, if you, you ain't black if you didn't vote for him, right? I mean, come on, this guy's got a 50 year career from, from busing through Anita, Anita Hill, through, through and Clarence Thomas, through uh, the, the crime bill, mass incarceration. He's never stopped. And he just put 100,000 new cops on the street after George Floyd. And so, you know, I just can't, I just cannot, <laughs> I can't understand why there's no outrage. I'll tell you what, I mean, Savvy, I, I need to bring this up because I know you're going to be doing due dissidence um, Sunday, right? Um, I, I love those guys. But um, I, I needed to see more outrage uh, from Keaton the other day than I did see. Um, I mean, uh, I don't know if you can tell by looking at me or not, but I'm I am I consider myself black, even though because my mom is black, I'm African American, <laughs> my dad is white and European and Jewish, and my mom is African American. I grew up with my mom, and she taught me about all this, about the Panthers, about everything. I would have to say that I grew up in like an Afrocentric household. I cannot understand and I cannot accept 
that people don't understand how how we would react to having this happen. They're scapegoating. I mean, it's like, you know, this is why when they started to go after trans people in this country, like recently, uh, I, I was like, okay, here it comes. Because they always get to us later on, sooner or later. And that's what I look see this as. I see this as like, I don't understand why people can be so like nonchalant. Well, they have a good kind what of did, case well, about well, it. What did, what I did, did kind of accept what did funding. Say? What did he say? He said, he said, well, they did have a good case, the Department of Justice, because they did accept funding from Russia, from Russians. I'm like, well, like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? But, uh, yeah, that was my reaction. Uh, oh, boy. What? Yes. It's like, okay, no. They don't have a good case because if you take $5 from somebody, you don't even know who it came from. And they go, wow, I was a Russian. They're obviously using you to foment dissension in the United States. I mean, come on now. Those people have that opinion. And please, let them have a voice before you come to a conclusion. Have them on to speak on the subject of, of political persecution when their lives are on the line and, and they were just... The, the, I'm telling you, I know. When you have jackbooted, literal jackbooted thugs coming and and arresting you and humiliating you on your lawn with like military tactics, this is like Ferguson on steroids. What they did, and they keep doing this. And this is the Biden administration, who you know, if you don't support, you ain't black. Um, no, this is not acceptable. It's not okay to equivocate. It's not okay to rationalize it. It's not okay to say, well, they kind of had a good case. No. no. In a world where the Saudis, it's not okay when the Saudis and, and APAC can buy Congress. It's not okay to tell me that some little group over here that already believes what they believe has nothing nothing to do with Russia. It's obvious scapegoating. It's obvious attempt to erode civil liberties and to curtail free speech. And this is just, what is it, say the camel's nose in the tent? This is, this is, they're doing this now, but they've been like pushing this Russian nonsense and using it to censor social media for years and years and years. And I remember, because I'm, so, I'm so old, right? I remember when Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump were saying the same thing in 2016 about how we all, and they were saying, of course, at that time, well, it's terrorism, because this is before she decided she could blame everybody under the sun for being a Russian, you know, operative, which she did in the, in the 2016 campaign, starting with like uh, Jill Stein, right? That's when we first started to see that. So at the time, it was like a Tech Dirt article that I saw, which said that both political candidates and she gave a speech at the Brookings Institution that's cited on the article where she says that, well, we need to get control of social media. And we need to get control of social media because the terrorists are going to use it to recruit people. That was what they were talking about then. It was still, you know, post-Iraq, that type of thing. So it was all terrorism was the whole reason why they were the, the excuse they were trying to give to curtail all, all of our civil liberties. Now it's Russia, 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 right? And China, 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 too, I guess I'll try, they're trying to do that, too, now. 
but but it's all bullshit, of course. And it's just a way to like take the Constitution and rip it into tiny little pieces, and and basically put anybody in jail who they don't like. I'm like they're trying to terrorize uh, uh, Matt Taibbi because he dared to tell the truth with the Twitter files. I mean, this is what they want to do to all of us. So how do you how can you have a nonchalant attitude? I, that, this is what just I don't understand. Because it's, it's like COINTELPRO never ended, and they think it's going to stop there, and it never stops there. It hasn't stopped there with social media um, in, in the wake of uh, 9-11, and now they just moved on to Russia. And so, I mean, I, I just – I don't have a nonchalant attitude about it. And when I see well, these people in, who call themselves progressive, you know, eh, it's okay, it's just those people. I mean, that's ridiculous. I just – well. I want to I want to make sure I bring in neoliberalism, but I, I will say, you know, I'll talk to Keaton about that. I mean, I interviewed um, Amalia Shatella, and I also spoke to other members of Uhuru prior to that interview. Mm-hmm. And when I, I see know, him, oh, I love that. And guy. I know Indie News Network has interviewed multiple people from the Uhuru movement. So, oh, I, I, yeah, I they think, should interview him. Yeah, they should have. Well, we can't now, but they should have. They should probably talk to someone oh, from, please. from that movement because I think if you could just you know, make that point to Keaton, <laughs> just really, yeah, really. Yeah, I mean, like, what, what the what the fuck, man? I, lo- I love can... those guys. Look, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I mean, I contribute to them too. I don't contribute to that to many. Uh, you know, let, you know, but I, I do try to do what I can, like like five dollars a month. It's not too much to ask for, and I I contribute to them. I love what they do, uh, like just like I love what you do and RBN does, and and Jimmy Dore, etc. You know, um, Hard Lens Media is good, uh, but uh, I I you know, <laughs> Combo Couch. I mean, I, I want to give a shout out to everybody I like, but. Um, those are the people I really like. Uh, yeah, I like Richard. Me- I like Richard Medhurst too. Richard Medhurst is really good. Yeah, um, Richard Medhurst is good too. Frank, um, I'm sorry. Were you finished? Because I want to go ahead and bring in neoliberalism. Well, yes, we got to get we got to get a handle on this police state because this is out of control. This is really out of control. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Frank. Okay, neoliberalism. You are on the mic. You just got to unmute. Hey. Turn left on. Um, uh, good evening. Um, yeah, thank you, Sabi, for this amazing conversation. Um, I just posted in the chat um, a link to your Jill Stein interview from uh, two weeks ago. It was amazing. Because um, it sort of reminded me of the first, I think, the or the last time I felt excited about an electoral campaign. Like, she was the candidate. She was it. Like, she Aww. said all the things. She was Jewish and called Israel an apartheid state in 2016. And she is, like, she's amazing. Um, and when you were saying earlier that, like, seeing all of this happiness around um, candidates again kind of made you sad and reflective, I think I'm sort of there with you. <laughs> um because we know the Democratic Party and how it's set up. Like, they have super delegates. We don't, we all know everybody in this room is so smart. Um, so I wanted to ask you a question, like, um, all of you guys, like, um, so right now the Republican Party, they are passing a pledge, um, 
uh, that says they have to endorse the nominee no matter what, even in their the GOP. Um, and I'm I'm posting a link in the chat for it. Uh, Trump came out against it. Of course, um, <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't give a shit. Um, so what do you think? Okay, so like, if um, if you get a chance to interview RFK. Um, what do you think the legal wiggle room around that is? Like, because you have to sign, in, in the DNC, you have to sign a pledge saying, I'll endorse the nominee no matter what. So can you bolt out of it? Can you wiggle out of it? What do you think? So that's something I've been meaning to uh, research, actually. Like, you just reminded me of that. That was something I had on my list to look up because I'm actually curious about that as well. Like, can you back out of that? Like, I mean, for example, the squad signed a pledge with Justice Democrats, but they didn't follow it. See, I think it kind of depends on, on how you're looking at it. I, I think as a, like a legally binding thing, I, I don't think it would really stand up very much. So the lawyer too. You know, um, maybe a, maybe a civil liability or something, <laughs> but where, where it really has power, that kind of a pledge is if you intend to stay in the democratic party, if, if you're still, if you're going to have future races and if you're going to, or like Bernie, where you're going to be in Congress, where you're basically a Democrat, you're caucusing with them. You now if you're doing that, then, then it's going to be pretty binding to you. So. Hmm. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So I guess oh, really? if Justice Democrats can. Oh, really sorry. Go quick, ahead. And now I'll come back to you, neoliberal. Eric, is that why? Because remember, Tulsi Gabbard uh, chose to actually endorse Bernie Sanders. Remember that? Remember, that was a big deal. When like when he was running against Hillary. And then just like that, she was like shut out by the Democratic Party. And and Bernie, to, Bernie yeah, I mean, too. they'll make they'll make an example out of you, right? She had to resign. She was the vice chair of the DNC, and she had to resign. So it's all about if you're playing ball or not, right? To endorse Bernie, yeah. yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And then she did eventually leave the Democratic Party. So there's that. Well, but the thing is, what gets me is like, Tulsi also endorsed Joe Biden, like in 2020, after she dropped out. So it's like. Like, do you, do they put a gun to your head or something? Or maybe she just wanted to. I don't know. Political gun to your head. <laughs> well, in 2020, she was running for president. And in 2016, she was not. So she probably did sign that pledge. There that was also that thing of, of once he was. There was also that thing of once he was the nominee, then it was a circle of the wagons, you know. Yeah, I think I think the kind of person we're looking for, you know, Sabi mentioned a while ago, Ross Perot, like, you know, someone that can be that charismatic uh, with like, you know, with name recognition, funding behind. But for whatever reason, be like a traitor to their class and run on the right issues and go independent and rile people up. And I guess, yeah, I've been really jaded. Um, and I won't say I'm quite where Dwayne is, but I, I see potential. Uh, I think we all do for, um, someone that goes so hard against the CIA. I mean, like, I can't help but root for that. Like, you know, like, you know, with the fact that his dad was murdered and his uncle and he said, he literally quoted, I'm going to shatter the CIA into a million pieces. If Marianne had said that, like, she would have had support. Like, if Marianne said, 
I'm going to abolish the CIA and close military bases abroad. She doesn't say that. She says, you know, she says like, she says whatever, you know, like, I don't think, she, yeah, I, I don't think she's really in touch with that anti-war sentiment in the way he is. She, she yeah, definitely that isn't. Was, that was the point I was trying to get across. I think that Nick and I were trying to get across to Marianne is that. Mm, Marianne was mm. not listening to you. Marianne was too much. She's too much of an elitist to listen to advice Sorry, from anybody. Oh, I, have to, I have to say how iconic. Like, Sabi, do you know how iconic that interview with Marianne is? Like, I posted it, um, it on TikTok uh, because, you know, I, I felt like more people should be able to reach it. You know, and when she was telling people, Here's another thing about RFK. I think if you interview him, you know, when she was telling you and Nick, when she got like pissy and she was like, well, if people think like you or that a hundred million dollars is the waste of time, don't vote for me. Yep. Don't vote for me. And to me, I was like, my God, do you not understand, Marianne, that you're not just talking to Sabi and Nick, you're talking to the audience. You're talking yeah. to people like me. You're talking to people who are listening and you're telling them, you don't have to vote for me. Okay. <laughs> you no got problem. it. You got yeah. it. Like, and I think, R so I, I think RFK Jr. in that, in, if you and they got to interview him, I think he would have at least tried a little bit harder for your vote. I don't know that. I don't know anything about him. I mean, I'm vaccinated. I was masked and all of these things. I just really respond to the anti-war stuff, you know? Yeah. You know what? You mentioned Ross Perot. One second. Okay, Google. Is Ross Perot alive? No. Ross Perot died in Dallas on July 9th, 2019. Dang. So close. <laughs> well, there went that. So. <laughs> Sabrina. Sabrina. Still more yeah. worth it than Biden. You, you activated my. You activated my Google when you said that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> See, I listens to everything. I also wanted to say, um, uh, this might be sour some people. It soured me a little. Um, David Sirota apparently was on RFK's podcast um, <laughs> a few weeks ago talking about East Palestine. I just saw that and I was like, oh my God, because I'm blocked by David Sirota. This is a what? safe space. I know. <laughs> it's crazy. I didn't even say anything like that mean to him. I was just making fun of him once because he did a live stream with Elizabeth Warren, like, um, uh, like, a, like in 20, like a, a year ago or something. And I just made fun of it because nobody watched it. And I'm blocked. So he's so sensitive. Like it's, in, it's kind of like, I think there's like, and he only goes after corporate Democrats, you know, with the lever. It's always corporate Democrats, corporate Democrats. Like, they have, like, the, you know, like, the, the it's kind of like the same critique all over again. Like, you know, like, Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema are corrupt. Yeah, yeah, we get it. Like, the the point is that all of these non-corrupt people we helped elect could have done something with their numbers for two years, you know? So anyway, sorry. Yeah, I mean, like... Honestly, dude, like, I just, I've never seen someone so sensitive. And I'm a, do you think I it's real or do you illiberal? think he's just trying to play? Like, he doesn't like bad coverage of himself. He's very, I think he's like strategic. 
Like, well, he wouldn't get bad coverage of himself if he actually engaged with people and stopped shutting everyone out that disagrees with him. Like, I'm sorry. Cool. Like, it's like a way to flex muscle. You know, it's a way to say like I'm power. Like, even like you guys talked about Emily Sirota. She started out off in city council as a Democratic member, right? So, and then the, she built it up to state senate. Like I'm, you're gonna see Emily Sirota running for Congress very, very soon. Like that's how you build it up, right? Like um, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised. But the thing is, is this uh, neoliberal? Like, I'm sorry, but like David Sirota's worked in Hollywood. How the hell are you gonna work in Hollywood and be sensitive? <laughs> Hollywood is full of rejection. <laughs> I don't think it's real sensitivity. I think it's just, oh, you criticized. Like, Sabi, you did an amazing episode. I still think about it. Like, about David Sirota and his history with APAC and political oh. campaigns and how much he was paid and all of that stuff. You see how I know that from the top of my head because it was that good? Um, oh, my God. You remember that? Of course. <laughs> Sabi, everyone in this room remembers that. And I think that that's what David Sirota reacts to. That's why he blocked you. He's like, she's either close to something or I need to shut this shit down. It's a political tactic. And he used it in campaigning. Like, you know, like when people, I, I mean, you mentioned, uh, what was it in Philadelphia when he was working for the mayoral candidate and he, there was a racist attack he was trying to, like, he's- Yeah, he he's, tried to cover up a racist fucking attack. And like, I'm I sorry, about that I didn't even come, I didn't even come after David Sirota to do that episode until he came after us first. And he called us stupid. And that's why I was like, oh, motherfucker, it's on. Let me do some research about you. Oh, that was so good. I mean, I'm telling you, iconic. Hello. But like, it's also like the truth is not on your side, David. Like, I mean, you can tell from the David, like he tried so hard to make that AOC interview go viral. Like we were all just like watching it on Twitter. Like he kept trying to post it and post it. Nobody cared. Like nobody, like we made fun of it. We did that. Like, you know, but it's, it was embarrassing. And also he couldn't ask her a fucking follow up. It was just for what, you know? So yeah, I think, I really think it's a strategy. Like, oh, you cover me negatively. So instead of what he should have done, which is you're right, engage with you guys, come on your shows, like, boost you up i mean you guys are independent journalists it's what he's supposed to care about you're supposed to mentor people and he did the opposite like he blacked you out he complained about you to other people behind the scenes and you know tried to you know create a network of people that has anti-rbn and it's not going well for broken points is it i mean they're still trying to offer discounts all the time like please sign up we just hired ryan Grimm. like yeah that's gonna get the people yeah. yeah, but I mean, they're almost at a million subscribers, so they're doing something right. They but, jumped. But, but, and, uh, I mean, they, I think it, they kind of jump. I mean, going on Joe Rogan, I think, brought a lot of like a Sagar type of audience. If you look at their actual YouTube views, they're not high, like very rarely. I mean, it's it's like and I don't know. I've had a theory that like there's and like their, their audience, that like, like sorry, go ahead. Based on what I've seen, their audience, most of their audience is conservative. Based on what I've seen, just just based on what I've seen from those comments, it seems like they have a conservative audience for the most part. Now, here's my question. For the same people who criticize Jimmy Dore and say, oh, Jimmy Dore has a right-wing audience, how come you never hear those people criticize breaking points for having a right-wing audience? Well, they probably have contracts with broken points, like David Sirota. I mean, he has like a partnership 
Jordan Sheraton has a partnership. So, yeah, that's a little hypocritical. God. You ever met someone you just want to punch in the fucking face? It's bad take machine. That just, I really don't like a weasel. I don't like a weasel and I don't like a fucking snake. You know and, what I really hated? Like, remember the Nina, Tur- the two teen, sorry, Nina Turner races, the two, the both of them. Like the first one, when he was just looking at the camera every day and yelling at people for not supporting her enough. Like, and it was like, you know, like, how dare you question Nina's values? What do you mean you want her to run independent? Like, how dare you? You know, and like, you're a terrible person. Fuck you. Like, you know, he, he was just dressing down an audience that didn't even exist. <laughs> like, it was just bad. Like, what are these people doing? Sorry, go ahead. He sent me a very nasty message a while back. What? No. Why? Oh, yeah, was it a David Sirota thing? Were- like, you're covering me in a way mm-hmm. I don't like? Like, no, this is when they were losing subs. And like, he sent me a very nasty message and said, you know, uh, why aren't you going after Jimmy Dore? And And I was like, first of all, I thought to myself, like, first of all, who the fuck are you? And, and two, like, you focus on Jimmy Dore way too much, man. Like, like, more than anyone. I'm like, for someone, I'm like, for someone who doesn't like Jimmy Dore, you talk about him way more way 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 more than i even mentioned jimmy Dore. you got fucking issues yeah he's (laughs) trying to what's fucked up oh my god he's trying to puppeteer people to go after jimmy Dore. like that's sick like that's like to go after anyone these people have problems i'm like if you don't like what jimmy Dore's doing fuck too you don't like like what he's doing fine keep doing your own thing but the fact that you always coming on social media and you came into my fucking dm to vid about Jimmy Dore, why don't you just have this conversation with Jimmy Dore? No, he's trying to, it's about the public perception that he's trying to create, you know, like if enough creators go after Jimmy Dore and call him a right winger, they have a narrative established. And I don't even like, I'm not like a super fan of Jimmy Dore at all. Like, that's what's so weird. Like, they really made him out to be like a Trumpian figure that they can all like unite around. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of fallen apart. And Anna versus uh tyt versus everybody else <laughs> kind of like they're like shooting their kids um kind of funny to watch though i mean you, you i think forced the vote was really like a moment like when we saw like who was a real journalist and who wasn't who yeah, was look- like talking to the squad behind the scenes and who was you know actually had values that they were standing behind you know ne- neo lib hello yeah. Howdy. Oh, yeah. You're in Colorado? Indiana. Speed oh, okay. Reported ahead. What's going on in Indiana? <laughs> Horrible stuff. Horrible. You know who our Congress member, my Congress member is? It's Mike Pence's brother. He has a fucking brother nobody knows about. Um, his name is Greg. And uh, very uncharismatic, very unpopular. Oh, Mike Pence like has brother, family? Man. He has I family? Know. I know. No one knows. It's so under the radar. He's just, the way he gets reelected, he's, he just flies under, right under it. I don't even think he has a press office. But, um, oh my God, Sabi, you know, the other iconic <clears throat> thing I want, I have to um, 
I have to say, you reminded me of, I'm the only one on the ground. I'm the only one <laughs> on the ground. I'm the, I say that to my best friend all the time. Like, it's so funny to me because he does like, I don't know. There's something weird about trying to like, ca- like, like uh, conquer that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. He flat, he flat out lies. He was not the only one at Standing Rock. There were multiple independent journalists at Standing Rock that have video to prove it. He was not the only one. I'm like, what the fuck did you want? He's like, I do this. I've had back surgeries. I've had this. I've had that. Okay. Guess what, motherfucker? Welcome to America. Okay. Welcome to America. Other people have had back surgeries. Other people have bills they can't fucking pay. Okay. Other people have cars that have broken down and they have to walk to fucking work. What do you want a cookie for doing your goddamn job? Will somebody give Jordan Sheraton an award? <laughs> somebody out there give him a fucking award so he will shut the fuck up he doesn't deserve one so they give him a fucking trophy made of fucking cardboard pizza boxes that jesus christ i've never heard somebody just vent as much he's the only one that does this i'm the only this i do this there's like a million other people on the ground in the like it's standing rock being like no we're here like what a fucking asshole like i just i can't and like you know what else like I actually, it's funny, you kind of made me go viral once because I clipped a moment that was so triggering to me on Twitter. It was like Crystal on Jordan's show. I don't know why I was watching that. God help me. I used to love Rising when Crystal was on. And I love it now when Brie is on and you guys. But like Crystal was on with Jordan and that was the moment when she was like, well, if you don't believe in Marianne, you need to grow up. You know, (laughs) like you need to grow up. You know, like, I'm sorry, get over it. You know, we need to be serious. And you, because you quote tweeted me, it went so viral. (laughs) And um, (laughs) I love it. I don't think it was so sad to watch because it's like, also, it's not a useful tactic. Like, if you're trying to persuade people, just advice. Don't tell them they're stupid. Don't tell them they don't know what they're doing. Don't tell them they're childish. Just don't. Eventually, everyone shows their class. Like, I'm sorry, especially people who are rich. Eventually, they show their class. And my whole thing is, is this. Like, you telling working class people to grow up, that's easy to say when you're a fucking millionaire. Get the fuck out of here. That's why she won't engage with me. I told her. What did I see in that tweet? Crystal, I'm willing to have a good faith conversation with you. Go ahead. And I would have a good, and you guys know I've interviewed people. I've interviewed a lot of people. I would have a good faith conversation with and her. And you said, why, what, what, what makes you not really cover local stuff at all? Exactly. Ever. Never hear about it, boo. So my whole thing <laughs> is, is just like, what is this really about? This is about you advancing your career. Just be real, keep it real, and keep it what it is. Let's stop trying to pretend that you're starting a movement with someone who's not no fucking movement maker. She's <laughs> not even like, le- she's not even like burning she's not my like- She's not anymore. she's to like, the right of Bernie Sanders. She may be to the left of Joe Biden, but she's to the right of Bernie Sanders. So let's stop pretending like you're trying to start some other Bernie thing. That shit is not gonna work. Just admit that you're trying to grow your brand and that's what you want to do. And just keep it fucking one hundred. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for fake and, and people. You know, I th- and like I think another part of it is too, like you can see it in the breaking points trajectory, like the leftists left breaking points. 
I subscribed when they first opened that shit because I I loved what she, what they did on Rising. I thought it was amazing. I'm a lefty, and I know other people who are very lefty, left lefty, and um, are now RBN watchers or whatever who subscribed to Breaking Points and left because that's it's a shit show. It's a, it's a shit show. <laughs> like it's broken points. Like it's it's a terrible mess. It's a right wing show with like liberals. I mean, it really has been. And they're so in, like, her and Sagar got into such a sick eco chamber. At least on Rising, they had panels, right? So they would have other points of view to challenge them. Now it's like this, like, in, like, incestuous nonsense that, like, they back each other up on it. Like, it's, it's just not fun to watch at all. Uh, leftists left the show. Yeah, so I did. think maybe she resents us. They did. She they resents did. us for leaving. She resents us for not giving her money anymore. Like we threatened her business and now she wants to go after us and tell us to grow up. I don't know. Yeah, they did. I remember when they first started, I was watching them, you know, um, and then I started to see like their takes on foreign policy and them like giving kudos to Joe Biden. I was like, and just blatantly lying, like to hear them blatantly lie and say, Joe Biden's free and all these prisoners that were booked for mar medical marijuana. That was a fucking lie Fuck out of here. That was an outright line. I'm like, you guys, and this one don't make no sense to me. When they were rising, okay, rising is corporate. They weren't independent. You motherfuckers go independent. They were. And you go further to the right. <laughs> what? They had governors on that show that they were like holding to the fire. Like, oh my God, like the West Virginia governor, like this is your state and how much we, how, how you've been uh, sued for pollution. Like they couldn't, they couldn't hold back. Now when they have guests on, it's like, Rokana, you're our best friend. Let us like hold your pussy and like, you know, just, it's fucking yep. sick. Like I want to. I told you. I told you. Look, I brought Rokana on one time, and what did I tell you guys? Oh, iconic. I have no intention to bring him back on again. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I'm fifty-fifty, maybe because you know, it was so good. It was good. I was like, uh, I said, there's no reason. I said, there's no reason for you to talk to this guy. This guy is a joke. Yeah. Rokan is a fucking joke. He's it's not wrong. really progressive. This guy voted against, he voted for the anti-socialism bill. And yeah. you guys still think Rokan is your friend. Rokan ain't your fucking friend. And yeah. I think people know he's not their friend. I think these people are just trying to keep their relationship with Rokan so that they can advance their own media career. That's and, and what let, this is about. And let's also let, let people know Crystal had a working relationship with Ro Khanna before he got elected to Congress. So, you know, she helped him on another Democratic campaign. Um, so they've known each other way back. All right. Just worth useful information to keep. And he's also the second biggest inside trader in all of Congress. Like Nancy Pelosi is number eight. He's number two. Right. And I've been, that was I feel like I'm the only one revealing this shit about his stocks. And I'm like, all y'all people bringing Rokano on, you know, it's because the journalists, that, it's because the journalists that he has in his pocket, like David Sirota and Ryan Grimm and Crystal, like they all kiss his, like, you know, he know he knows that like, you know, they're not going to say shit about that. And they're going to say, you know, he, ha, he, he, they perfected it. That's why I also think, you know, Maggie was pointing out in the chat, Mary Ann started like talking about Assange only in 2020, first of all like in September of 2020. And it was in response to someone talking to her about like, like she said to someone um, that she was upset with uh, his profile picture being a guillotine meme. That was the first time she ever said anything. 
And then she starts being friends with all of these people in the independent media left, journalists, right? Crystal, Kyle, Jank, Anna, she's uh, uh, Savage Joy. She's building these networks of people because she knows she's going to run again in 2024. Like it feels premeditated. Yep. Maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist, but. And I've interviewed her a couple of times. It was never about this, though. It was never about politics. It was the one time, the first time was about reparations. The second time was a panel about women's health care. So, I mean, and then of course this third time was about her race, but we didn't even initiate <clears throat> that interview. We didn't in, in, like reach out to her and ask her to come on. That was all like, you know, initiated by Neo's algorithm. Neo's algorithm tagged her and said, would you go on RBN? And she said, yes, please. And then, you know, Nick was like, okay, well, DM me. But we did not reach out to and her in reference I to her I just have campaign. to say again, what a beautiful job as a journalist you and Nick were doing in that interview. Like, because it was really, it was amazing to watch because I think you guys revealed something really, really, really important. And also for me, Palestinian rights is like, you know, my... Uh, line that I really won't cross, you know, and, and, and seeing her answers there was something else. Like, so I think it was a really important interview. Um, and, you know, she was also trying to discipline you. It felt like the first thing she was saying is like, Oh, Sabi, I saw that, like, you know, you said this thing about me that was critical. And like, I said, well, why wouldn't she like just text me and say something, have me on your show? It was almost like she was telling you, like, I saw that you said something because I didn't I, really well, quite like. And why didn't you have me on? You know what I'm saying? She was like letting yeah. you know I didn't like that. And and let me and let me make something very clear for the audience. I do not have Marianne's phone number. I don't know where she came off with that shit. You know, I was trying to be cordial during the interview. At the same time, I was thinking to myself, like, she know damn well she never gave me her number. <laughs> She's a fake. I mean, she gave some people I I, I mean, I, I know some people that she gave her number to. I just feel like she knows how to make friendships. She knows how to schmooze, how to socialize. I know those people. Um, so I feel like, I feel like I wonder if like the 2024 campaign goes to shit and Kyle doesn't, Kyle Kalinsky doesn't get his like dream <laughs> Marianne presidency. I wonder if she's just going to ice them out completely and it's going to be like an awakening. I don't know. Look, it is an uh, uh, what is what is this type of relationship called? Where it's oh, it's a transactional relationship. I mean, this is why you can't be friends with these people. I, I've tried to tell people right. this before. You can't be their friend. Like that's true. I don't know. It it, it is what it is. People do what they want to do. But my whole thing is is that I saw the writing on the wall, and nah. <laughs> Anyway, we're here with you, Sabi. Like, you know, we are here. Like, we, me and my best friend, we love your show. We love you. Um, and we love everything. Because at least we get to talk about this stuff and not feel like we're crazy. Right? Like, you know, we can actually, like, ha have someone that speaks what we think. Um, so I'm really grateful to you. And thank you. Oh, thank you so much. All right, I'm going to go to Ruben and then I'm going to end with, um, we're going to wrap up here shortly. So I'm going to go ahead and bring in uh, Ruben and then I'll go to Karthik. What's up, Ruben? 
Hello. Oh, hi. Sorry, sorry about that. Um, so like a long time. Um, I I I was gonna talk to you guys about our um, Bobby Kennedy Jr., but you guys already talked to him. I mean, talked about it. Um, but like, I I am a little bit scared of what's going on with the government trying to like act the First Amendment and going after um, journalists and um, more like. Um, independent journalists and independent reporters. That's that's very scary. No, I mean, I, I agree with you. It's not the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's happened before. Feels like the worst time. Yeah, it does. So what do you think about, um... Sign of the times. I think there's been a huge consolidation of power and and I keep saying we have no free press and I think it's more scary and you know because of my own experience that I'm having here but the reality is there is no respect for whistleblowers we see it all through from Edward Snowden to Julian Assange we see them bristling at Matt Taibbi and you know, issuing, you know, drawing lines in the sand and these type of things. But what makes it scary and different this go round is there is nobody to turn to. You, for the Julian Assange case and Donzinger, the media should have been all up in arms because that's who our partner was as the masses to help us hold the government accountable. And exactly. it's not there anymore. There is no mm-hmm. accountability. It's there Obama. is no accountability. So when they come after you, when they go after Uhuru, when they threaten Matt Taibbi, it's just nothing there. Because right. nobody who we could depend on telling the story is telling the story. So they can do it and get away with it. And that's exactly. what makes it scary. Exactly. 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 And um in your in your live today you didn't you did highlight what what that French um professor, like politics professor said that it was like Obama's fault or something, like Emmanuel Macron is mirroring um is mirroring what Obama did or didn't do. And um that was a great insight from that professor. Um and and the and the way you pe- like you piggybacked on him, like I I can like I can see why maybe a will vote Marine Le Pen coming up in like the next four Marine or five years. Yes. Um and, and 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 like for me, like um I am a conservative. I I I didn't I don't even like Trump, but I understand why people voted for Trump even after like Obama and you know Obama gave us Trump and you know like Absolutely. I I literally I I I said that um cuz I was a a freshie at Long Beach State University um and I was taking African American studies cuz um I I want to and like you know put um uh, put myself in, in other people like in other cultures you know mindset and i said hey maybe obama gave us trump and a lot of people there gave me a side eye and called me racist and i'm like i'm i'm seeing it in in a logistic way in a mathematical way that obama gave us trump i'm not being racist yes i look white sorry not sorry but 
what Obama did, the moves and, you know, and bombing Yemen and, and not just Yemen, but, but also doing like shady stuff and, and giving us the modern day slave trade in the Middle East. I'm like, that's, that's why Trump was given to us because the, the Midwest and the U.S. just was just gone. And so I was called racist and it was like, also like disheartening to me, but then again, I'm like, well, I didn't want to say anything because I'm like one of the few white white boys in that room. So I just felt so like distant. But at the same time, like now that I'm like looking at a lot more deeper, I'm like, I think I was right. And I, I've, I've been right at that time. And I've and I was right now because like, you know, when that French professor said it and like in in that interview that 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 you covered, I'm like, exactly like Obama gave us Trump. And I, I was just like at least someone in like in Europe said it and then you covered it, too. I'm like, oh, my gosh, yes, you, like a black person said it, too. So like m- now I feel like a little bit. That but here's know. the thing. Yeah. Here's the fine tuning about the whole narrative about Obama gave us Trump. A mm-hmm. part of the reason Obama was a prelude to Trump does have to do with a white supremacist ideology. And there was a backlash. I'm no Obama fan because I recognized him to be a tool of capitalism and white supremacy. And Mm. because those two are so tightly intertwined, Mm -hmm. but Trump delivered an overt racist ideology and it appealed to the white sentiment because they feel they were being left behind. And there was a backlash to actually seeing a black president for the first time that they knew of in this nation. There were a lot of rumors that Eisenhower was part black because his mother was, I think, a mulatto. But here's the thing. Trump tapped into that. And when he was saying, make America great again, knowing damn well there was no no point in this nation's history that black people who have descended from slavery would consider great again. We don't have it great now. And so when you make those type of appeals and you use those type of appeals and it clean, and that's why no matter what Trump does, says, gets caught doing, there is a core in this of white people in this country who are going to support him no matter what, because what they heard from him is that I will restore your white privilege. And that is his message to poor and working class white people who have now been subjected to what black people on the plantation have been subjected to from the beginning. And so now that they're feeling betrayed and they're feeling left behind and they have angst over whether they will be able to survive, they hear him saying, I'll protect you. And if you notice, there was all this um, xenophobia and things like that coming from Trump. But that plays well into a poor white angst because they're always looking for someone to blame for their plight other than this capitalist system that is enslaving us all. Well, no, so that's why they, they that always... is a part of why that whole Trump 
you know, Obama gave us Trump. Yeah, for the reasons in terms of foreign policy and the missteps he made. Yes, but we cannot overlook that deep white supremacist thing that he connects to. That is a part of it as well. Well, we have to we have him to thank for the whole anti woke thing. That's where that came from. All those people who see themselves losing ground, looking for a scapegoat. And that's why, like, I see the whole thing with the Uhuru movement as it's, look, they know that they can make inroads against civil liberties by just picking the right scapegoat and nobody's going to say anything about it. And then they can move a little bit further next time. And, and, and the whole, they're using that whole anti-woke thing that comes straight out of Trump to 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 make you know to make to to erode our, our rights further. I mean that's what they're doing, and, and they know it. And like the whole crime dog whistle, that's where that came out. That, that all came out of the whole backlash to the um, to the to the George Floyd protests all over the country. They like to talk all over again about how our cities are burning. All that nonsense. What cities burning? It's like a and you know what? That and the, in Minnesota or something. The biggest misconception that people are overlooking, especially in white America, poor white America believes that they can build a type of solidarity across class with mm-hmm. elite whites. And right. they're willing to see black people sacrificed in the process because that has been the American way since the beginning. But what they don't realize is that those elite whites in the left are the same as the elite on the right. Elites, elites are elites. And what Mm -hmm. they have done and will do for poor and working class black America, they'll do it for the poor white ones too. It's just the poor white ones have not awakened to realize that the real enemy in this thing is the corporate elite. It is it's not blacks class. who are your worst enemy and it is exactly. not they've got class else. loyalty. Got it class is a, loyalty. And they not think they loyalty. can build a race loyalty that will override the class loyalty they're but wrong. they've been misled. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah, because um, with, the white with, the white billionaires mm-hmm. will sell them out too. Any yeah. in a second with that the problem of ad, who put NAFTA in place? Who put NAFTA in place? Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. But that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. it's white elites. It is exactly. not poor working class. It is not blacks who are taking your jobs. Your jobs have been shipped across the sea, and it wasn't black people or Mexicans who people. did it. Mm-hmm. If and that's why I say to build a real class solidarity will require that working class and poor white people wake up in a different way and recognize that the enemy is not your poor black peers. That's right. It is the rich people in this country who keep screwing us all over. Exactly. Exactly. Pitting us against each other based on race. Well, Um, when for, um, for, for you guys, sorry. Um, there was this one article that I read on communistpartyusa.com or .org, um, and I think Kim Iverson had um, had a author. I I, I I I forgot his name, but he wrote something about um, seeing MAGA through the lens of Marxism. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on, on? Because well, like this author, um, his like his his thesis and, and analysis, like analysis was that like. 
his professor in when he was at a university um taught communism and he said that like if Mao Zedong went here to the US in in search of communism he would go straight to the Appalachian Mountains and talk to poor white people and to have like this solidarity using communism and that the poor white people would understand communism very quickly so what are you guys um so what are your thoughts on that like seeing like seeing maga through the lens of communism what do they mean what does he mean by seeing maga because of poor white people i'm confused well i i um i i just saw an interview with um with um, like on the Kim, uh, on the Kim Iverson show, she was interviewing him. I think his last name is Galpin, Caleb Galpin, or something. He um he wrote a, a book about it. Well, I think, I think Kim, go, um, Caleb Maupin. Yeah, there you go, Caleb Maupin. Okay, so I've I've interviewed Caleb before in the past. Like, I think the thing is, is that you know Caleb's very smart. But I think we should not make the assumption that all poor white people are MAGA people. Mm. True. I think that's a stereotype. And when you look at the you look at the the data, because I think someone had brought this up before. If you look at the data, it's actually false that the majority of poor white people supported Donald Trump. When you look at the data, the majority of white people that supported Donald Trump were not poor. Yes, he was able to go to the Rust Belt and to win over that region, and Hillary Clinton was not. But at the end of the day, those people in the Rust Belt still were not the majority. The majority of white people that supported Donald Trump were not poor. So I think mainstream media has created this narrative that the Trump voters are the poor white people or white working class. And I think Hillary Clinton added to that narrative when she called them deplorables, right? Mm-hmm. So let's let's go ahead and correct that narrative. And, and I, I say this because, you know, you have to come here to see it. But I think people tend to think in this country of poor white people being like in these rural towns. There's also poor white people in urban areas too. Like in Boston, like there's poor white people here in the city. And, you know, I mean, to be honest with you, a lot of those people don't vote at all. (laughs) That's right. A lot of them are like independents and they don't even participate in the electoral process because they're completely disillusioned with it. And they know Nobody really supports their interests at all. Yep. Like up here in Maine, it's the same exact. Well, we're basically in the same region of the country. I think what I think what the thing is about that whole MAGA thing and saying that you know, well, Trump is the party of those deplorables. It's like a because he was trying to make a populist appeal, which actually worked on some people because he mixed that populism up with like this racist, you know, uh, that retrograde reactionary uh, make America great again thing, which did appeal to like a segment of poor white people. But yeah, it's really true that that's not 
that's not all those that's not that's not even the majority it's not exclusive but, but i am from alabama and i know that southeast region i know mississippi georgia alabama the carolinas oh yeah i know those those people and they may not be dirt poor but what i am saying is there is an alignment along the lines of race true and there is there is and it does include a significant amount of underinformed and unenlightened people mm-hmm. who are clinging to a notion of, because let's think about it what can you offer to people who are well off in this century that is so great about the last century what is so great that anybody will want to go back to in terms of working class people and we know that when those things like the nafta and those treaties cut those jobs out of a working class america it had a disproportionate effect on the people who worked in those factories whose jobs were gone right and so it's i'm not saying it's all poor but it is based on race, whether it is all poor or not. And it does include a certain amount of poor. Right. It, it and working certain, class. It includes a certain amount of it. But I'm saying the mainstream media narrative made it seem like all poor white people voted for Donald Trump. And when you look at the data, that's not true. Well, that's and so true. I, I'm, a, I'm a big data person. And so for me, it's like it's one thing to hear the narrative in media. But for me, I'm always like, that's why I always ask, like, where are the receipts? Like, show me the evidence. Like, I want to see that. That's why I'm always big on like looking up the numbers because otherwise you just believe what they say. And the thing is, is like, in reference to like the South, like I went to high school in North Carolina. I went to college in South Carolina. And even in like North Carolina, if you look at like how the votes were broken up by county, there was still like, at least for his 2016 run, there were a decent, I would say a decent amount of suburbanites that voted for Donald Trump that lived oh, in yeah. North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Like and, everybody in Staten yeah. Island. <laughs> and, 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 and here's the thing. If you go to the Western part of the state in North Carolina, where you have like Asheville, that actually is the Bernie Blue area. And in, in Asheville, people tend to be a little bit more on the poor side, right? They're in, they're in the mountains. And they actually supported, heavily supported Bernie Sanders because of that reason. Like you have some artists there, whatever, but for the most part, they tend to be on the poor side. But that's what I'm saying. That was the difference come 2020 because Joe Biden was able to win over the suburban white population. That same suburban white population where some of them supported Donald Trump. And that's how Joe Biden was able to win for the most part because he was able to tap in that. Same thing with Georgia. He tapped into that suburban white demographic in Georgia and that helped him win the state of Georgia. So what has happened over time, the Democratic Party they're no longer going after the working class and the poor. They're trying to attract the suburban white, white yoga pants yep. female. And what that yep. means is that means that the Democratic Party, in order to do that, has moved further to the right. So With they're the not crime issue. Support, 
Right. That's right. They're not going to support defund the police. Nope. <laughs> and I think they're um I think they're getting like a little bit confused with um with you know more the police because now younger conservatives are anti-war. Like I speak to other like like younger conservatives like myself. We are we just don't want this war to happen, and we're we're kind of getting more and more disgusted with how our local police uh, is like literally have like militarized and um i think obviously well the democrats shot themselves in the in like the foot and funding the the police twice as more and if they think that's gonna win conservatives they're pretty much wrong because younger conservatives are just tired of of this war and 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 a growing number of a growing number of people that? who are white are against the police too, though. That's another mm-hmm. thing. They really yeah. they 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 they've under they've underestimated the appeal of supporting the cops. They've overestimated the appeal of supporting cops and underestimated the negative effects that's going to have on their own electoral support because they continue to completely take their black base for granted. They think, oh, well, they'll just come out and support us no matter what happens anyway. And so now they think they're safe to go to appeal to these other demographics who may not be so enthusiastic about um, defunding the police or demilitarizing the police. But I think they're making a miscalculation that's going to backfire on them. I really do. The Democrats are probably going to lose more votes than they actually get by doing that. Yeah, let's go to... um... Let's go to Eric and then let's go to Roger and then I'm going to wrap up. I was going to say that they don't care about winning. All they care about is making money. So it's all good for them. That's really all I had. I'm picking up a girl. Time, if you would. Can you hear me? Yeah, you do. Well, you're on. I was Cookies, muted. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I brain farted there for a second. Sab, um, two minutes of your time. Um, what do you have coming up uh, this weekend? Because I know you have a show coming up on Sunday, correct? What's coming up on Sunday? Oh, dear. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I have to announce this on Twitter, too. Um, Chris Hedges is coming on Sunday, so he's coming Ooh. back. We're going to talk about, like, he had a recent article, because I follow his Substack. And he was calling out like higher education, which is interesting considering he works in higher ed. So I've always said you got to be brave and bold to do that shit. Because I tried to call it out when I worked there and people were like, what? So we're going to talk about that article that he wrote about how higher ed is just a business. And um, and then later on, so I'm going live at 4 p.m. Eastern time Sunday because he's coming on. So I'm going live an hour earlier. And then later on um, Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern time, I'll be on do dissidence. So oh, yeah. goody. I mm-hmm. can't wait. You're going to leave. <laughs> Tell us that. <laughs> Go ahead, Roger. Also, uh, Nevada, hopefully. Um, and, uh, what do you call it? So I had somebody, I had some, I had a customer in the car earlier 
and uh, she was talking to her daughters about uh, something's going on between DeSantis and Disney World and Disney World. She said something about Disney World called DeSantis into their office to do something and show them whose business or whatever, right? I didn't really catch the whole thing. I, I know there was something going on between Disney World and, uh, and, and DeSantis. But um, I said to her, well, both of them are bad guys. And she says, well, how's Disney a bad guy? I said, well, they're a corporation. They treat their workers, you know, like crap. And all she had was, well, I know someone that way. I, don't, I really don't even know if this was true. She might have been just saying this, but well, I know I have a good, good friend that works for Disney World. She say it's fine. I said, okay, but I know they vi- they violated a Pick whole... Pick up David on the left. They violated like a whole bunch of... Uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, um, worker stuff, uh, labor laws or whatever the case is, right? Yeah, it was really bad. It was really, really bad. I had a friend that worked there. Yeah, so I'm not, I think she was just, I don't even know if she was telling the truth, but my point was, it goes back to what I said before about worker solidarity. Now, before I was saying, you know, it, people see themselves as consumers, but in this case, she was more concerned about a corporation who's not on her side getting at the Repub- getting at someone of the other party you see what i'm saying this this is this is how sick this is you know what i mean that we're thinking more about getting at the other party than actually looking out for workers which is another reason why i want to make parties irrelevant and abolish them and make them unconstitutional cuz people can't seem to think you know what i mean it's just like like yeah that corporation is is not our friend for the simple fact it's a corporation you know what i mean but they can't get out of the partisan mindset red team blue team yeah you know what i mean like it's sports or something Dwayne, you in maine yeah but i'm from new york originally no i know that you you just said 16 oh shoot sabrina you were right black people are in maine (laughs) <laughs> there's a few there's a few a few of us in here not that many yeah one black person in Maine <laughs> it's more than one believe me just like it's he more said, and more he, just like he said he ain't all black he like half black I'm half black <laughs> No, it's exactly so true. Right. Like, no, right. the, the black population in Maine has increased over it the really years it really has, Boston yeah. too right Tabby yeah, they, I'm telling you. I'm telling you guys. They've been trying to pay people to move there. I'm not kidding. It's what? True, it really is true. What? Yeah. Yes. Because I mean, I, you have to understand, like, well, af- especially after, after, especially after the pandemic, mm-hmm. you have to understand that, like, doctors and dentists started to retire, not just in Maine, all over the country, but Maine didn't have that many to begin with, anyway. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to pay people to move to Maine, like especially younger people too. come move here. We'll give you this bonus if you move here because they know that like they need doctors, they need dentists, they need lawyers, they need like teachers, like stuff like that. Like, I'm not kidding. Like Maine is not typically one of those states that people just move to. So that's not they're trying to get quote unquote people to move. They're trying to get high professionals to move. Yeah. Well, they're bringing in immigrants too. They're bringing in lots of immigrants. immigrants. Yes, lots. Because there's, there's this, there is. I don't want to say significant, 
but there is a uh, a smaller but growing population of Africans in Maine too. Yep. They rather deal with them than us. That's that's just <laughs> the plain, simple truth of it. Because Damn, Roger. The immigrants they know that who make it to this they, country are not from the underclasses necessarily in those countries that they're immigrating from, especially those of East Indian and many of them from African descent. Those people are educated. They're going to the best schools. They're doing everything. So, you know, there is a difference in all these recruitment. Not the yeah. ones in Vermont, though. I will say not the ones because Vermont also is doing the same thing. They're paying people to move there too. Because again, after the pandemic, people are like, yeah, man, I'm just going to retire. So they're paying people to move to Vermont. And honestly, I'll be, I'm going to keep it real with you. Like if you're going to move to Vermont, you would move to Burlington. That's where everything is for the most part. Like that's the city, like that kind of thing. But other than that, like, Portland. Their winters are really long. Like we have long winters in Massachusetts, but nothing compared to how it is in Vermont. Like it'll right. be snowing up there and it's still like hot here or something. Like it's it's not the same. So they get snowstorms like way earlier than we do. Like it's just the reality. Um, but it's again, it's typically not a place that people move to. Most people don't move to Vermont. Most people don't move to Maine. That's you true. go up there and visit, like people kind of go up there and visit during the summer. We always go up there in the summer. That's right. But people vacation here. They don't exactly. really come to live here. They come here to vacation, but they're bringing people in. I think the yeah. mayor here is really like bringing in lots of immigration, which is like the old white segment of Maine really doesn't like that. But I live like down east on the coast. We're basically like a suburb of Boston here. It's Portland and, yep. and, and much more cosmopolitan and and progressive you know and 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 black and I, I which i love i mean i cannot i would not be i'm from staten island but but new york city if you're from new york city you just don't feel you know i wouldn't feel that comfortable if i were not around people who no co- color you know what I mean? yeah, like if you go up you go up to to like so portland's like in southern maine yeah, and southern to, southeast yes yeah, on the, right yeah. the coast I go to Portland like every summer. Well, there you go. And you will see black people in Portland. It's it's the city, so it's it's a little bit different. But if but as you go further north and you get especially up in northern northern Maine, when you start to hit the Canadian border, then you start to run into people that say stuff like can't get that from here. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And they all vote Republican too, so you know what? (laughs) Not my cup of tea. Maine is a ballot initiative state. It is. Very good ones, too. Absolutely. Only thing is, it doesn't allow you to do an amendment, only laws. Which means you could pass something and then they could repeal it without having to ask you. That's true. But what you can do is do a veto referendum to repeal their repeal of your law, snapping your original law back into place. Yes, that, that, yeah. that has happened, too. Maine has really good lobster, yummy food, but it also has Susan Collins. Oh, that's a problem. Oh, by the way, they're starting up. Um, they didn't get it on the ballot last time, but they're starting it up again. Who, whoever was pushing the uh, uh, Medicare for All ballot initiative in Maine. 
So you should be part of that, Dwayne. Yes, I am. Oh, I didn't oh, know you were. That's awesome. Yeah, that that like when me and Kira was doing when me and Kira from Harlan's Media was doing the uh, what was trying to make it on to the ballots. Because um, like me and you said, we were doing what got on and what passed and didn't pass. Right. When we was doing it back in when me and Kira was doing it back in twenty one to twenty two. Uh, one of the things that two I remember two of the things that Maine was doing to trying to get on the on the ballot was one um, the Pine Barrens Public Power Initiative to just um, like you know public publicly owned and operated power throughout the state and publicly pu- public uh, health care you know publicly funded health care single payer. Yeah, we have uh, main people's alliance here, which uh, does a lot of that on the community level, organizing for for healthcare. Mm, so they were probably they're probably the ones that's going to push it again. Then. Oh yes. Okay, it's past my right. bedtime. I gotta head out. All right. All right, Savvy. Thank you. All right, guys. I'll be live again on Sunday. Remember, Chris Hedges will be there, and then join me. Um on Do Dissidents show uh 7 p.m. I can't That's wait for that. So yeah, should be pretty cool. I can't wait. Good morning. Morning. <laughs> say, hi, say hi to all the black people in Maine for me. All three of us. <laughs> say, all, uh, all, all three of all us and I'm half. All five of them. <laughs> Excellent. I will. All five of them, Dwayne. <laughs> Excellent. I will. Uh, you know all, right. all black people know each other. That's true. <laughs> I don't know the other four. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Bye, guys. Yeah, bye. Good night.